בשם השם נעשה ונצליח. שיעור תורה, ברוך השם, always good to be here. We have some good שיעורים here, ברוך השם. The שיעור we did here about יראת שמיים, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, has been very, very popular, ברוך השם. A lot of people heard what יראת שמיים is for the first time in their life. Even on the Torah, it says that יראת השם אי אוצרו, that יראת שמיים, the fear of the Almighty, that's considered Hashem's treasure. That's everything for him. And another place in the Gemara, it says that it was worth it for Hashem to create the world just for Yirat Shamayim. That's the reason why He created it, so you could fear Him. But yet today, we have so much confusion in the days of Mashiach, Achrit Ayamim, that we find ourselves in, that most people have never heard of Yirat Shamayim. And even if they did, they think it's like a bad word. So you tell people, listen, Come to Shul, Shul Torah, about Musar, learn about Yirat Shamayim, learn about fear of Hashem. No, 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 what fear of Hashem? No, Hashem loves us. Hashem is this, Hashem is that. He forgives everything, everything's okay, everything. They've turned Judaism into Christianity. They just call it Judaism, though. So, why? Because the Christians, that's what they say. The reforms, that's what they say. The conservative, that's what they say. And unfortunately, many parts of Orthodox today, they call themselves Orthodox, but really, it's reform. There's a uh, couple of big chachamim in Israel that are saying that there, there are certain parts of modern Orthodox that have faulty leaders to such an extent that it really, it's reform in disguise. It's reform in disguise. Why is reform in disguise? There's a community here in Florida, at least one that I know of for sure. They call themselves Modern Orthodox. They're somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand families. A thousand families that go to the synagogue. Many people are religious, some black and white, nice people. But every weekend, every Shabbat, they have a parking lot, at least 200 cars. Meaning that out of a thousand people that show up to Beknesset, Someone in a neighborhood of 40%, 40% because each car two people, 40%, 400 people are driving to Beknesset on Shabbat. But they call this Orthodox. You drive to Beknesset on Shabbat, there's nothing to do with Judaism. Forget Orthodox or not Orthodox. So, unfortunately, the reason why is because Yirat Shamaim, Iot has been removed from their teachings. The Yirat Shamayim is the treasure of Hashem has been removed from the teachings. Where today people think that if you teach about Yirat Shamayim, it's like a bad word. You're supposed to teach about loving, you know, loving of Hashem, Hashem loves us, and all of these nice, wonderful things. And that's all great. The problem is that there's maybe, maybe, maybe 1% of the really, really ultra-religious giant Chachamim that actually have Avat Hashem. There's probably a tiny, tiny microscopic percentage of Am Yisrael that actually love Hashem. Every one of us thinks, see everyone sitting here, is 100% sure that we love Hashem. But if I told you that you don't even understand what loving Hashem is, it's a surprise. The reason why is because Yirat Shamayim itself has several levels. The lowest level of Yirat Shamayim is fear of punishment. Don't do X, Y, Z, 
because Hashem will punish you. Hashem Achem, you lose health, parnasah, zivug, all types of horrible things that can happen to a person. There's plenty of horrible things that can happen to a person in this world. That's the lowest level. You see, that's a level that even a donkey has. Why? A donkey's scared that he's not going to run off a cliff because he doesn't want to break his legs and die. Right? So even a donkey has a, you know, a little bit of yira. He's afraid of, of punishment. So that's the lowest level. Alvay alenu that we get there. Alvay we get there. The highest level is fear of romimut. Fear of the Almighty, meaning you're afraid of hurting the relationship you have with Hashem Barach. Similar to the type of relationship between a husband and a wife. And he says, once you get to the highest level, already you're almost at a level of how Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu got to the highest level of Yirat Shamayim. You got there. He says, and that is the beginning. That's the beginning of loving Hashem. Meaning the highest level of Yirat Shamayim that very few people in the generation actually possess. That's just the beginning of loving Hashem. So now I ask you again, do you think there's a lot of people, many people, that actually even understand what loving Hashem is, let alone actually love Him? So, it's not an embarrassing thing. It's not something that someone should feel bad about. It's just a reality check of where you stand. A guy that's not successful in business should not be upset about not being successful. First of all, you should know that everything is in the hands of Hashem. But second of all, you should know this is just today. Today you're not successful. Who knows what the future holds? If you invest today, maybe tomorrow is going to be better than today. There's nothing for you to be upset about. If it was permanent, then yeah, maybe you should be miserable. But who said it's permanent? Nothing's permanent other than death. But even that's timely because you go to a different world. So it's not something to be upset about not loving Hashem or not even being at a decent level of Yirat Shamayim. It's just a reality check. You need to know that you're not successful in order for you to start getting up off your chair and say, okay, I've got I to gotta do something about it. If every day you say, no, no, I'm successful, I'm successful, I'm successful, I'm successful, but your bank account is at zero. You think that saying you're successful, successful, successful is going to help? Like they say in that stupid book, The Secret? It's not going to do anything. What's going to happen? Your wife is going to slap you in the face and say, successful, batik. What's successful? Go to work. What's successful? You saying successful is not doing anything. We need to pay for food. The kids haven't eaten in three days. The cat is leaving the house. He found a new place already. It's a feeling good. Everybody's dying around you. What's feeling good? That's, so saying successful, successful, it's not going to change anything. So Exactly. You're lying to yourself. It's intellectual dishonesty. So the most important thing that a first person needs to do in the beginning is to understand where he stands. We do not have real Yirat Shamayim at this point to even say, to even dare to say that Avat Hashem is part of our vocabulary. And before we start the questions, I'll tell you something. Yesterday we said a story that's in Gemara Masechet Brachot about Rabban Yochanan. His uh, students came to him and asked him, give us a blessing before you, you know, he was dying. Give us a blessing. And he told them the blessing is that you fear Hashem like you fear man. Which to them sounded strange. But then later on, he explained to them that in reality, you sin 
in front of Hashem all the time, but if the cop is about to pull you over on the highway, you get scared to death. So fearing in front of man, you're scared. Or fearing in front of Hashem, like they say. You know, it's no no problem, no big deal. So, the other part of the Gemara also says that, Kvod Arav, why are you so scared? You are Patisha Kadosh, you're, you're, you're the strong hammer. The Torah was almost forgotten before you came along. You had so much Choban, so much punishment, so much disaster. The Torah was almost forgotten. You restarted it. Why are you scared right now? You're shaking, crying. Why? You know you're going to get Eden. He says, if I was going to meet and be judged by a king of flesh and blood, flesh and blood, who is punishment, it's a temporary punishment. It's only in this world. And his anger is only a temporary anger. It's only in this world. Even then I would be a little scared. But not so much. Because it's temporary. But I'm not going in front of a king of flesh and blood. I'm going in front of the king of kings. Where if his punishment is a punishment, it's eternal punishment, Barminan. And if his anger is anger, it's eternal anger, Barminan. And I know that there are two options, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai says. There's one door for Gan Eden, and there's one door for Gehenom. And I don't know which one they're going to put me in. Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai started, restarted the Torah, saved the Torah for the generations. Today we have Torah because of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. He's saying, I don't know which one I'm going to go to. Why are you so confident? That you're going to go, everybody thinks they're going to Gan Eden. They go to, tomorrow starts Slichot, clapping, and everybody's happy. What happy? You say, Hashem, I'm sitting in front of your face, and I think it's okay. Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai is not so sure. Why are we so sure? What makes you so sure? What makes you so sure? What makes you so sure is delusion. Instead of the little boy, that thinks the sun is a quarter, but in reality he finds out later on when he grows up that the sun is a giant, thousands of times larger than earth. We, in some cases, have gotten to such a point where we're not like the little boy, we're worse than the little boy. What do we think? We think we're the sun. And the rest of the world is the quarter. Understand? So, today... The Musar Shurim are helping a lot of people wake up because Baruch Hashem we have the merit but it's still sad to me to hear that it's very rare for people to actually hear real Musar in the English language. So most important part right now is for us to understand that all of this Musar is applicable all year round, all life round, for all levels, for, for all people, for religious... In Spanish, it's zero. Unfortunately, in, in English, it's almost virtually zero, with the exception of myself and Rav Mizrahi and Rav Alona Nava. That's it. There's no, uh, and there's a couple of other ones that uh, do it as well that are decent. But in general, it's a uh, it's virtually non-existent, and it's created a confused generation. And this is some of the things we're going to talk about today, of what it means to be confused, because. 
this judgment day that we're talking about, this, uh, you know, Rosh Chodesh Elul that we started, we have 40 days from now, we're going to have Rosh Hashanah, that's judgment day, then you have Yom Kippur, which is the appeal day, but in reality, we also have Mashiach, we also have end of life that everyone has to experience at some point, there's a lot of other days also, so we have to understand what all of this means, specifically pertaining to the fact that the Mashiach is nearly here. If we were in a generation of Noah, Noah is putting the last few nails in the ark. He's putting the last few nails in the ark. Now, if you remember from Parashat Noah, once the ark was, was finished, the generation was finished. There was Noah like, oh, you know what? Go walk around for another three, four, five, six hundred years. See if they want to do tshuva. He finished, it took him a long time, 120 years. Once he finished, Hashem's patience finished. So we are now in a generation of no different than Noach. With Hashem, it's going to be a much better result, but nonetheless, Hashem is ready to close the store. Question is, are we ready? We're ready to pay the bill. We have a big bill to pay in 40 days from now. Hoshana. And if we don't have enough, we have to come up with some more mitzvot by Yom Kippur, 10 days later. And somewhere in between now and whenever it's actually going to happen, a day from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, whenever it happens, we have to definitely have the full amount to pay when Judgment Day comes. When Mashiach comes, he's here, he's going to be able to smell Ayirat Shamayim. It says in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, He's going to be able to smell. Now he's going to smell your avat Hashem. He's not going to smell your loving of Hashem. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say he's going to smell your money. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say he's going to smell the nice odor you have in your house. Definitely not that. What do you say? He says, Mashiach is going to be able to smell your yirat shamayim. You have yirat shamayim? Past. Past. No yirat shamayim. You still drive to Beknesset on Shabbat? You're still eating salads at Subway? non-kosher place, you're still looking at girls every time they move next to you, like it's a, uh, you know, a, a, one of your past hobbies, pastime hobbies, you have no yirat shamayim. The next verse, the very following verse says, he destroys the people with his words, kills them on the spot with words, says one word, good, no weapons, no sword. It's not uh, Arthur the, uh, the, the, the knight. One word he says, good, finished. This is scary to me. This is because if Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai is scared, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai is scared, I wish one day we could be a little, a little dust under his feet. You understand? So let's start with some questions and Ben Hashem, Hashem will give me the words to, to, to give you answers along the shore. So who wants to go first? Kabbalah. Great question. Great question. Foundation of tshuva, men and women. Where where do you stand? How do you know where you stand? It's a good question. Survive, Mashiach. It's a good question. No Amos. Key to survive. Key to survive. It's good. That's it. No? Next. 
Missing Shure Torah, missing Shure Torah. Missing one Shure Torah, five Shure Torah. What happens? What happens? Missing Shure Torah. Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai is worried. We're not worried. We just go and we we hang out. We... He was worried and he was like, What about us? And if we start thinking, if, how are we going to get to his level? We're never going to go commit. Exactly. Right? Just like, okay, okay, so Rabban Yochanan versus us. <laughs> versus us. Where? How can we? How can we stand up to Rabban Yochanan? You want Nancy? You want to do this? No, Nancy. They said something like that. Like, what does it exactly mean? So we're going to say, what, what happens in the end of days? Yeah. It's a good shoe. I wish it was coming to this year. I wish I knew this shoe was going to be this good. No, the Tanaim, they were afraid to be here. If I were to publicize a shoe with this type of question, 500 people would show up. You guys are good today. Good, good. No? Yeah, what's going to happen? Mashiach is here. How do we know we're going to survive? Yala Fidel. No? You all usually have good questions. Nothing? We retired? Or escaped, escaped to death already with Ban Yochanan? You're still speechless with Ban Yochanan. Honestly, I was thinking about it on the way here. I was thinking about it on the way here. And I'm thinking about Rabban Yochanan. Mamash, it's written in the Gemara. It's not like some, some pirush, like commentary, maybe, and maybe. No, no, no. This is Mamash Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai in Masechet Brachot, which is usually the first Masechet that someone reads in the Gemara. You're going to get to it, Bezot Hashem, it's the end. The end of Masechet Brachot, like around the 60th page around. And I was thinking about Rabban Yochanan. Mamash, he says to his students, on his deathbed, on his deathbed, you're going to Gan Eden. It's a Gan Eden, he tells you. He says there's two doors. I don't know, I don't know which one I'm going to go in. And then he sees Chizkiyahu HaMelech come to take him. He said, oh, Chizkiyahu. Get up, everyone. Chizkiyahu HaMelech is here. He sees him. They don't see him. Chizkiyahu Melech already died generations before him. But he sees Chizkiyahu Melech come, welcome to Olam Abba. So we knew good news. But Yimamash, why did he get good news? Why did he get good news? Because his whole life, he was scared like he was scared to death. We think with Chizkiyahu is already next to us our whole life. You understand? That's the difference. No, yalla, next. He's, gonna, he's, he's taking your question today. Who was the rabbi who if he was in this generation, he wouldn't make it. If he was in generation, that's Arizal, it's not Tana. Arizal said it, but it's also a Gemara. Okay, Pseudom, all right, all right. Pseudom, okay, so let's see. So, uh, what did Tanaim say about Tanaim? Say about days of Mashiach. Why Adam Rishon was a sinner? Yeah, like I thought. I thought me, How about I tell you something else? Me learning, I thought that he was a tzaddik. I heard all my life. He was a tzaddik. He was. He was a tzaddik. But the judgment of man is not when they were writing the Yerushalmi, they were writing the Yerushalmi, it says that there is a uh, part of Masechet Sanhedrin. They said there's uh, three kings, three kings, that have no share of the world to come. Yerovam, Achav, and I believe it was Menashe. 
But they wanted to write a fourth one. But then he did tshuva. So, long story short, they wanted to add a fourth name. They wanted to add a fourth name. Who they wanted to add? They wanted to add Shlomo Melech. They wanted to add Shlomo Melech. They wanted to write. They wanted to write in the in the, in the Gemara. Shlomo Melech has no share of the world to come. Why no share of the world to come? Why? Tanaim Kedoshim, Kodesh Kodashim. They pray next, Tefillin all day. They go to Minyanim. Learn Torah all day. They don't nothing. There it bodedut. Pay is every everything. The beard fresh. Tanaim Kedoshim are saying Shlomo Melech. Shlomo Melech has no share of the world to come. It's very scary. It's very scary. Why they want to write it? So now we're going to wait for the shiur. And we'll start with the shiur with that, because I don't want to forget it. Okay, we'll do the refuah the mothers of the Shem. Okay, so you know what? Let's, let's so, so this, this chidush about Shlomo Melech um, from the Gemara, let's do it after we do the refuah So give me the list of refuah We have a list of refuah Okay, so Be'ezrat Hashem, Hashem knows who's on the list of refuah Be'ezrat Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We'll give them with Fashlema and also the family of. Um, yeah, go. Bat Mercedes, have a Fashlema. And Yuda Ben Dvora? Yuda Ben Dvora. And Antonia Avila. David Ben Nesria, Doris Bajora, Rabbi Ephraim Ben Chaim, Rabbi Chaim, Ben Shulamit. And Chaim Ben Ben Sara. Mir Yisrael Herschel Ben Zavatitora. Okay, slower. Mir Yisrael Herschel Ben Zavatitora. Zavatitora. Sara Lea Bat Sara. And uh, the whole family of uh, the, uh, the the family of young uh, kids that. Uh, Shemachem, Shemachem had the major car accident, had the car accident uh, several days ago, um, and uh, everyone is in a very, very difficult position. And uh, Rabbi Grossman will flash them out. Regardless, I don't know, but uh, regardless, but the family in Cleveland is um, a very difficult situation. We saw a couple of videos of the mother. Uh, I don't know personally. If anyone doesn't know the story, you should look on my page on Facebook. Um, I have a little bit of experience with suffering. I have a little bit of experience with health hardship. And um, everyone knows my story. I don't need to repeat it. So when I heard this story and I saw the mother, Mama's hysterical crying of what happened to her children, uh, I don't know, my heart broke into 37 pieces because uh, I can't even imagine the pain she's dealing with. I know that for her, she rather, herself, rather go to bigger genome that I went through for seven years than even imagine her kids have pain. Any mother would. So I can't imagine the pain she's dealing with, but she's staying strong, Baruch Hashem, staying connected to Hashem, Baruch Hashem. And it really inspired me. It inspired me. And uh, we decided, even though we're a small organization, we decided to, um, for, for their schut, to uh, donate... 4,000 of the Asher Yatzar posters. And uh, also, I didn't post it, but also 4,000 CDs or 8,000 CDs. Um, and uh, to send them out to different people around the world to, to give them out. 
that was the original announcement we made a couple of days ago. Baruch Hashem, uh, you know, to help people do Asher Yatzal, it's a blessing specifically with a, uh, uh, pertaining to a health. And uh, the, uh, the time to do Tshuva is now. If not, now when? So we got very, very good feedback, Baruch Hashem. A lot of people joined uh, from all over the place. We've sent some CDs to Brazil, to Israel, to Bulgaria, to uh, uh, all over the United States, uh, different places, uh, even in Europe and Canada, several places, Baruch Hashem. Israel, yeah, we sent to Israel. Uh, at least maybe uh, four, five hundred to Israel. Uh, Australia, yes, Australia, maybe 500 also. But the thing is, that the funny thing is, is that we're so excited about the mitzvah to connect Am Yisrael and uh, to have a merit for, for this wonderful family. And the Hashem, they're going to have to flush them up very soon. If everybody actually gets the cards, right now it's on the way to everyone, but if everyone gets the cards and actually uses it and says a Yitzar, even one time, why you do it your whole life? But even if you do it one time for their merit, then I know for sure they're going to have a flash demo. But that's amazing. We're so, we're so excited about this mitzvah that we lost count. And I know for sure we passed 4,000. I think we're like at 5,000 or 6,000 already of the cards. And the CDs maybe at 10,000 uh, or close to it. And, uh, but Bezot Hashem, it's a, uh, I mean, we sent I don't know, more than 40, 50 packages, 50 packages maybe. Uh, so, Baruch Hashem. It's a, uh, amazing to see that people are willing to do some chesed. You know, it doesn't always require money. It just requires us to get up off of our butts and do something. So take 10 cards, put it in your bikness. Take another 10, put it in the kosher store. Uh, take another 10, put it in the JCC. Take another 10, put it to the uh, Breslov Center. Take another 10. Within, uh, I don't know, an hour, an hour, two hours of driving around, you put 10, 10 in different places, you're finished. But now you have, each one you're planting seeds. You have 10 CDs, 10 uh, cards. You never know. Somebody's going to pick up one of these things. You never know. Let me tell you guys something. The Zohar Kadosh says that if a person understood what tshuva, what tshuva really is, what to actually have somebody do tshuva really is, they would, lo- they would lose their mind. Meaning, they'd stop everything they're doing, no more going to the diamond district, no more going to work for the, for, the, for the factory, no more working in the stock market, no more working in the bank, nothing. They stop everything, and they go look for chilonim, they go look for secular people, or the half-religious people that need to do tshuva, or the ones that look religious but really need to do tshuva more than all of us, because sometimes they're just wearing the clothing, but inside, rotten potatoes. So they go look for people that are not, don't have Yirat Shemaim. Go look for them. Not wait, go give a shiur and hopefully people come. They go look for them in the streets and keep doing everything they can to get them to do tshuva. Now, I heard this already years ago, Baruch Hashem. I never really understood it. I never understood it. Well, it sounds nice, sounds, you know, exciting. But come on, move the limit. Like, what does this mean? But I'll tell you a story. People like stories. I'll tell you a real story. About two years ago, I had uh, a woman, a nice woman, send me an email. And this woman said to me, listen, I've been listening to the Shuret Torah you're doing. 
and it's great, and it's this, only, you know, the usual Baruch Hashem compliments. And uh, she says, listen, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but uh, I want to be Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but I want to be Jewish. And uh, I need help. I need help to convert. I need help to learn. I need help. Unfortunately, we live in a generation that's so confused that even if someone already converted a full, great, kosher conversion with a recognized bedin, they keep all the mitzvot, wife has kisui rosh, the, uh, the, the husband has kipash shchora, that's yomash, he's seriously religious, he dresses modest, she dresses modest, they keep mitzvot, they learn Torah, they do everything good, even then, in this generation, such fools will prejudice against them. Why? No, he wasn't born Jewish. What do you mean he wasn't born Jewish? He's considered higher than you, you idiot. In Hashem's eyes, a convert is considered higher than a natural-born Jew. Why? He chose Hashem. You were born by default. Default. That's why in Amidah, you do Amidah, prayer of Amidah three times a day, you say the names of the converts, the blessing come to the converts before you say Aleinu. Before you say on us. Why? They're higher than you. So we are so confused now that even after they convert, we're already prejudiced anyway. Why? Because he's black, because he's Spanish, because he's green, because he's this, because he's, he's not you. Why? Because you have gava, he doesn't. So your gava is getting in between you two. If you kick the gava out of the house, you guys will be friends. You kick the, the pride out of the house, you guys will be friends. But your pride is causing problems. So people are already prejudiced against converts. In many cases, not all cases, in many cases, even when they have no reason to be. Now here we have a case of someone coming to me, hasn't converted yet, nothing. Just likes the Shura Torah. Now I can easily do what most people would do, which is, good luck. Ashreich, good, good job that you want to convert. Baruch Hashem, good luck. What's it to me? Well, I have to go... Teach you, send you, send you, what do I have to do? Why? I don't owe you anything. If you're a convert, no problem. I'm commanded by the Torah 36 different times that I have to love you more than I love a natural born Jew. So when a husband marries, a Jewish husband, or even a, a convert that becomes Jew, and he loves his wife, he's making two mitzvot. When you love a regular natural born Jew, you make one mitzvah when you love your wife. When you love a convert, you make two mitzvot. Because one, she's a Jew, so loving them is mitzvah. But two, loving a convert. Loving convert is another mitzvah. So the husband that has marries a convert, righteous convert, not their fake converts. Fake converts, that's Amalek. Fake converts, that's Erev Rav. That's garbage. That's, that's destroying Am Yisrael. But talking about real converts, he makes two mitzvot. So now... Is a privilege. But at the same token, that's a convert. Someone didn't convert yet, you don't owe him anything. You want to help him, help him, but you don't have to. You don't have to. So, my choices were pretty clear. One, do nothing. Thank you. Keep watching the shoes. Find a rabbi that can help you. Good luck! Choice number two, is send her the Kiruv package. And say, stay in touch, I'll answer all your questions, 
and Bezat uh, Hashem try to do whatever I can to help. Now, someone had to have donated that Kiru package. Because as you all know, I lost everything as far as money is concerned and gained everything in reality, which is Torah, Baruch Hashem. But I don't have money. So somebody had to have donated this $95 that it cost to make a Kiru package. $95, not uh, $50 million. $95, it's less than a dinner for two people. Yeah, with everything. $95, finished. Gets to you if it's in America. If it's, uh, uh, you know, overseas, it's more. It's 150 sometimes. 200 depends where it goes. But in America, anywhere in America, we have the book, the CDs, the extra cards, the different shayatzal, uh, everything, all the different packages. Sometimes we add stuff to it because it's catered to that specific person. So, for example, if it's a woman that's uh, in the last stages of conversion, she needs to learn about Tarat Mishpacha. So we add another book about Tarat Mishpacha, about uh, family purity. If it's a guy that's struggling with, let's say, about Shabbat, so we add a Shabbat book. If it's, you know, different things. But the standard package, $95. Either way, 99% of them, free. Why? Because Hashem gives the merits of the ones that donate to donate, and the ones that get, to get. And they're not always the same person. The ones that get don't always necessarily want to donate, but no problem. Or sometimes they don't have it. But anyway, somebody had to have donated this $95. Okay? I've sent, Baruch Hashem, hundreds, hundreds of Kiruv packages over the last several years. Even before I started doing lectures, I sent hundreds of Kiruv packages. But every one of them, I look at it, I want to make the package. I'm excited about every package. Why? Every package is like a little dream. Every package is like a potential. Who knows what's going to happen with this package? This person is going to be tzaddik. He can throw it in the garbage. He could be great. He could be, I don't know, Mashiach. Who knows who this person could be? Get this book, changes his life. Get this CD, changes his life. He has kids. He has this. Who knows what's going to happen? Two years ago, I sent a package. cost $95. Fast forward the story. Today, this woman is not only a Jew. Not only she finished the conversion. She's married to a righteous Jew. Married to a righteous Jew, learns Torah every day. On top of that, he does Kiruv. Every day, he does Kiruv. Every day, he learns Torah. Every day, prays with Minyan. Every day, works on Musal. Every day, they constantly look for ways to get Am Yisrael to do Tshuva. And Baruch Hashem, they're building a holy house of Judaism because the Bezat Hashem they're going to have a baby very soon. $95, you just saved, you just created three lives. Forget saved, you created three lives. Who knows how much more? Every single mitzvah goes to that account. You understand what's happening here? I only understood two years later what the Zohar Kadosh was saying, you go chase people. Why? $95. You wait, you've lost $95. Forget about spend. You lost $95 and you went, okay, you know what? I lost $100 bill falls off your pocket. Okay, you don't. Nobody commits suicide over $100. You lost $100. It's a little annoying. 20 minutes later, you're finished. You're over. You go, you're on with your life. Someone donated $95. They just created three Neshamot. And Bezat Hashem, many, many more. Countless mitzvot. The Beddin that I took her to said, from now on, we're making a new rule because of you. What's the rule? They said, excuse me, ma'am. You're converting today, Baruch Hashem. 
We've asked you questions, Baruch Hashem. You passed the test, Baruch Hashem. Everything is wonderful. Everything is wonderful. But we only have one question, but it's not on the script. We don't have it. It's not on the script. But we have a question for you. You're not married, right? No, I'm not married. So why are you wearing Kisui Rosh? Why are you wearing Kisui Rosh? Why are you wearing the scarf on your head? You're not married. Only a, a, a Jewish woman wears Kisui Rosh when she's married. Why are you wearing Kisui Rosh? She says, because my rabbi told me that righteous women wear Kisui Rosh. She goes, yeah, but only after you're married. You don't have to. She goes, yes, I understand. But since I had to give you a picture to put on my conversion certificate, today I'm not married, but one day I'm going to be married, Bezat Hashem. And someone's going to see this certificate. I don't want them to see me without Kisui Rosh because when they see me, I'm already married. The bed dean at that moment looked at me and said, from now on we're making a new rule because of this woman. $95. We made a new rule in the bed dean. One of the top bed deans in, in America. Do you understand? So that's when I started understanding. And I'm still every day, every time I see good things with this family, I still learn more and see. That's why the Zohar Kadosh says you can start chasing people. Why? Because if, even if it's one out of a thousand packages, turns like this, it's worth it. One out of a million packages, turns like this, it's worth it. You bought a lot of that. So, the question is here, how can you lose it? How can you lose it? Shlomo HaMelech almost lost it. Shlomo HaMelech almost lost it. Why did he almost lose it? The Gemara says, because at the end of his life, it's written in the books, the last few verses, it's written that Hashem wasn't happy with his actions due to his wives. He had a thousand wives, and some of them tried, tried, they didn't succeed, they tried to make him idol worship. They tried to make him an idolater. He didn't. Kodesh Kodeshim Shlomo Melech. But the Gemara says they tried to convince him to do idolatry. And it says, the Chachamim said it was worth it for him not to ever be mentioned in the Torah at all. It was worth it for him to be a drunk in the middle of the street, homeless, than for this verse to be written about him in the Torah. It was better for him to be homeless in the middle of the street. No one knows he exists. Then, it written in the books that they tried to make him an idol worshiper. Tried, not succeed, Chazrush Shalom. Tried to make him an idol worshiper. And because of that, they said maybe he put himself in sakana. Maybe he should have thought better. He shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Maybe we're going to, you know what? Maybe we're going to take off his, his olam abba. Abat kol from shamayim. Abat kol, a heavenly voice from shamayim, said, what's it to you? Are you the one that pays him or doesn't pay him? The olam abba, where it comes out of your account? Leave it alone. They said, we don't listen Allah from Batkol. We don't learn Allah from Batkol. Based on what our understanding is, it's a safek of whether you should have Olam Abba or not for this. David Melech, David Melech, Kodesh Kodeshim, came from Gan Eden. Came from Gan Eden to the Sanhedrin. Came to the Sanhedrin, started crying on the floor. Don't write on the Gemara that my son Shlomo Melech does not have share of the world to come. What does he care? Who are these people? They're bigger than David and Melech. 
Why is he kidding? Because if it's written in the Torah, it's written in Shemaim. When Hashem Barach created the Torah, he created rules for us and him. Not just for us. Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. No! He said to himself, I have to give limitations to myself. Why? Because I have to be known as El Melech Neeman. Amen. Mazi El Melech Neeman, the God, the King, that's reliable. What means reliable? Faithful. What does it mean faithful? Whatever I say goes. Amen. End. I say it never changes. Never changes. Doesn't matter generation, doesn't matter with sect, doesn't matter what culture, doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter what year, doesn't matter nothing. I say it stays. The end. So that means that if I like him because he's cute and he's funny and he's sweet and he's this and he's that and he gives staka and he gives this but he's a mechalet Shabbat and I want to give him Gan Eden because he's cute and he's funny and he's sweet and he's this and he's that and everything. But he's a mechalet Shabbat even though I love him, he's my creation. I created him. I am not allowed by my own rules in the Torah to put him in Gan Eden. I am not allowed to put him in Gan Eden. Not only not allowed to put him in Gan Eden, he has to go to the Genom, Chas V'Shalom, Chas V'Shalom, an endless amount of time. Why? Because he said every time he turned on the car on Shabbat, Regardless of where he was going, Beit Knesset or the bar or the pub or the game, every time he turned on the car on Shabbat, he said, by the way, God, I don't believe in you. That's what he said. So I can't give him Gan Eden when he's spinning in my face. Even though I like him because he's funny and he's cute and he gives staka and he built a house and he built two houses and he did, he did all these nice things and I like him and he's cute and everything and I created him. He's my baby. But my own Torah... Said, I'm not allowed. So the Chachamim, Chazal, said, the Torah, in this situation, Shlomo Amelech was not really allowed to put himself in such risk. Because it says in the Torah, don't uh, have too many wives. There's a limit. You're allowed to have multiple wives. You're allowed to have 18 wives. No problem. 18 wives, no problem. You had a thousand wives. Not because Shlomo was uh, sick or something like that. Because he wanted to bring the Mashiach. He wanted to bring peace, world peace. So he figured, every, every country, I'm going to have a wife. They're going to have peace with me. If there's world peace, Mashiach's going to come. That was his logic. He was very smart. He's the wisest man of all time. Makes perfect sense. Shem says, no, no, no. That's cheshbonot of this world. I have different cheshbonot. I'll bring the Mashiach whenever I feel like it. I'll bring the Mashiach whenever I feel like it. You made a mistake. You shouldn't have married a thousand women. So Chazal said, he made a mistake. He made a big mistake. Why? Because maybe he would have failed. How, do he, how does he know he's going to pass the test with a beautiful woman? Tells him, listen, not only you're my husband, not only I'm the queen, but listen, by the way, Baba over here, or Buddha, or whatever it is, some ugly little statue, I prayed to it, and you should pray to it also. How do you know? How do you know you're going to pass the test? Who are you? They say you're not going to pass the test. So Chazal was saying, maybe we take, maybe we have to write it, because if we write it, it's at the end. In Shammai, Hashem says, that's it, that's the law. That's the law. If it's din in, sh- in, 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 in this world, it's din in Shamayim. So David Melech, Kodesh Kodeshim, comes, starts crying to them in the Bedin. Starts crying to them in the Bedin. They say, listen, we don't listen to David Melech. He already left. He's in a different world. David Melech, thank you very much for coming. We're not listening. They still wanted to continue. 
They still wanted to write in the book, in the Gemara, in Masechet Sanhedrin, they wanted to write Shlomo HaMelech as no share of the world to come. Hashem created a fire that scared all of them. And they ran away, they didn't write it. Does it say who it was in the, in the Gemara? Ken, 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 Ken. Some of the big, big giants. Ken. Okay. I made a lesson before. Um, why? Why could such a smart person to make such a big mistake? Simply because he's still human. He's still human. He's still human. You still have Yetzara. You still have your own logic. You're still going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter. No one is God. The only one that doesn't make mistakes is God. He's divine. Everyone else is subject to mistakes, subject to Yetzara. So now... This is one of the great things that we have to learn, that everyone is at risk. Everyone's at risk. So the only way that we can actually beat this risk of chas v'shalom, losing olam abai, is to at the very least understand that we have to be scared. Because if Shlomo Melech's olam abai, well, had some balagan in it and possibly almost lost it, almost, he's not here, yeah. There's a loose, you know, loose screw over there. Almost. Us, we, we can't be so sure. So what's the cure? The cure we're going to learn from this Mishnah, Bezat Hashem. We're going to learn from this Mishnah. Somehow we're going to learn from this Mishnah. Hashem is going to give us the answers. Uwaya Omer. means that it's the same Tana that we spoke about yesterday, the previous Mishnah, is continuing. Uwaya Omer, which means Ben Azai. So who I am, Ben Azai says, do not be scornful to any person, do not be disdainful to anything, for you have no person without his hour, and you have no thing without its place. This somehow is going to answer all your questions, Bezal Hashem. How? So, Ben Azai Kodesh Kodeshim, the symbol of Hasidut, symbol of piety. Not Hasidut like you know Hasidut Chabad. Talking Hasidut meaning that they do above the law, above the law of what's obligated from them in Shemaim. They do above the law. No, no, they extra. By definition, a Hasid does extra, extra what's expected from him. But the most important part of being a Hasid. More, more. Shulchan Aruch is basic. Shulchan Aruch is the basic level Jews supposed to do. Mm. They do more than Shulchan Aruch. But what's the most important part of a, of, a, of a Hasid? He tells you right here. He tells you right here. What's the most important part of being a Hasid? Most important part. Most important part, he says, Most important part, don't be scornful to any person. Why is the most important part? He could have picked anything. could have said, most important part is don't be mean to people. That's the most important part of being a chassid. Say, the most important part, I don't know, go to the oil in uh, 770 over there, go to the oil in Lubavitcher Rebbe or something. Wear black and white, nice hat, big kippah, beard, nice, groom it. says, most important part of being chassid, Kodesh Kodeshim, he says, don't be mean to people. But not just people, to anyone. Even to the people who got you angry? Yeah, anyone. Why? The Gemara says there's three specific people you should never ever under any condition be mean to them. A goy katan, a um, nachash katan, and a talmid katan. Mm. 
three different things. Goikatan, small little nobody. Nobody. Small snake. Average guy, blue collar guy. Never be mean to him. Not a Jew. Not a Jew. Little snake. And a little guy just started learning to about Chuva. New convert. Doesn't know much. Or a little boy just started learning. So why? Why don't be mean to them specifically? Why is the Gemara specifically focused on these people? It says, because you're never going to know what's going to happen after they get big. Now the little snake, all snakes are born little, but one day it could be anaconda. It could be a giant snake eats you and the family. Don't play with snakes. This is logical. But what about the goy katan tamit katan? It says, goy katan, the, the non-Jew, never ever be mean to him. Never ever be mean to anybody. But he specifically mentions it here, never be mean to a nobody. Why? Because everyone has its time. There's a time that everyone can change eternity. Everyone is given a chance at some point in their life to turn the tides, to turn everything, to change everything. So there's a uh, famous story in the Gemara about this pig farmer. Pig farmer, he farmed pigs. This is the worst possible job you can have. All day you're in feces. All day you're in feces. So the Jewish people, some of them weren't exactly tzaddikim. They started making fun of them. Not only are you hanging out with pigs that are ugly and disgusting, you're in there with them. You became one of the pigs. <laughs> so they make fun of him, make fun of him, make fun of him. And to teach Am Yisrael how you're never allowed to be not nice to anybody, Hashem turns the tides. They used to call this guy Duka the pig. Duka the pig. Yeah, Duka the pig. Duka the pig. Uh, in, uh, in English, he's called uh, Diocletian. Diocletian. Diocletian the pig. So, the Jews would call him that, throw rocks at him, make fun of him. Hashem says, you're not allowed to do that. He's still my creation. Who are you to be not nice to him? What does he do? He turns him into the Roman emperor. He turns him into the new Caesar. There's a Jewish guy, the pig guy. Duka. Duka's non-Jew, pig farmer. He becomes the new Caesar. Immediately becomes new Caesar. He's rich. He's uh, powerful. Kill everybody, just like that. What do the Jews do? Jews run to the run to his castle. Hey, hey I was sorry. This, ha, ho. He goes, no, no, no. I'm going to kill all of you. You guys made fun of me. No, we didn't make fun of you. We made fun of Duka the pig. You're now Duka the Caesar. You're not the same person. He says, but you still made fun of me. I'm not going to punish you now, but you better watch your back. You better watch your back. But he forced all of these people to go, mamash, to beg for their life. From who? Not from someone that became holy. From a just average blue-collar guy. Why? You're not allowed to be not nice to people. Not allowed. Doesn't matter who it is. Not allowed to be not nice to people. So now, I don't know, I mean, some say a Jew saved his life, some, way, some say that uh, they weren't mean to him, but 
point being is that as a Jew, as a Shomer Mitzvot Jew, you're not allowed to be not nice, prejudiced, or racist, or anything like that to anyone. To anyone, to Jew, to non-Jew, anything. And a specific Gemara about it. Eventually you're going to work for him. Exactly. Yeah, Chazak, Chazak. Yeah. You have to be careful of making fun of the nerd because eventually you're going to work for them. The nerds are the ones that become millionaires. Not the cool guys in school. Right? Yeah, all the guys, all the, all the people that in, uh, are very, very successful usually were nerds in school. They weren't popular. They weren't the guys that were making parties. The guys making parties are usually the cops and, uh, and uh, fire guys and uh, decent people, but they're not, uh, most of them, are not ultra successful. Why? Because they're still partying at 47 years old. They're still going to the bars. I got a few people that I know from my childhood. I still, no, not stockbrokers, from my childhood, from, you know, high school, junior high school. Still to this day, they're in their 40s, they still go to clubs. I said, even tumtam, you're going to clubs, you're 40 years old, there's 20 year olds, you're hanging out with 20 year olds. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What are you doing there? You're 40. You should own the club, if anything. Well, you don't go there. You don't go there. Were you break dancing? What's wrong with you? You're 40 years old. It doesn't look good. You know, one of the most, my wife, my wife, God bless her, she tells me, there was a very famous uh, movie star, celebrity, I believe it was Claudio Cardinale, but I was not sure, I'm not 100% sure, but it was a very, very classy uh, uh, celebrity, that in maybe in like the uh, 60s, 70s, that said something that if, if any celebrity said it today, she'd lose her resume, forget, she'd lose all jobs, she would never give her another job. What'd she say? She said, any woman, any woman, regardless of anything, any woman that's 30 years old or above should never, ever, ever even think about putting a bathing suit on again. Any woman that's 30 years old or above should never put on a bathing suit again. Why? It's not for you. It's not for you. Now, the Hashem haven't gone to the beach in a very long time or pools or anything like that. But I know that when you go to those places, who is in the bikini and the bathing suit and everything? 50, 60-year-old women. <laughs> Mamash, craziness. So, they're the only ones that have time to serve. The only time. <laughs> so now, Ben Azai Omer, you have to be nice to people. The second thing he said, Second thing in this other Gemara, it says, don't be mean to a small Talmud. Regular guy. Why? Because you never know. Maybe he's going to be Gdolado. Maybe he's going to be Gdolado. Rabbi Akiva, 40 years old, comes to the yeshiva, says, Kvodarav, I need to learn Torah. I need to... Okay, great. Sit down. No, no, no. Well, here's a problem. I don't know how to read yet. So I need to learn Aleph Bet first. Because Aleph Bet, we don't teach Aleph Bet in Yeshiva. This is Tamidim uh, Chachamim here. You go to kindergarten and learn Aleph Bet. So you have to go to kindergarten and learn Aleph Bet. Initially he didn't want to go. He had to argue with his wife. She had to tell, convince him to do it. Ta -ta 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 -ta. Eventually he learned Aleph Bet. Then he went to Yeshiva. Then everything continued. Oh, Hashem, 24 years later, biggest rabbi in the world. 24,000 students. 24,000 students, they say when Rabbi Akiva was at such a high level that he would figure out, he'd figure out all details. After, after Rabbi Akiva died, 
no one was able to figure out or even be able to look in all the, into all the details he would. Why? Because for him, even the letters, the way the letters of the Hebrew alphabet were written, he could find out Torah secrets from it. And Bezat Hashem, if I remember, I'm going to teach you a Torah secret from the letters of the alphabet today. Something special. Chidush, beautiful, amazing. Chidush has to do with Mashiach. So, Rabbi Akiva had to go, nothing. If the rabbis in that generation were like rabbis, many rabbis of this generation, somebody comes to them and tells, I need to learn Aleph Bet. What do they do? They beat him up. They throw him out. They said, don't ever come back here again. You shagits, you, you idiot, you whatever. Get out of here. Go back to the farm. Go clean some horses. Why do I know that? Because sometimes you have Baalei Tshuva. They come to the yeshiva, but they want to learn. If they're not Ashkenazi, or they're not a specific type of Sephardi, or they're not from a specific rich family, or they're not from this, or they're not, they don't fit that specific rabbi's criteria, they don't let them come. Not only that, even if they're religious, even if they're ultra-religious, Haredim, Kodesh Kodeshim, everything is God. They go to yeshiva, like, no, no, no. We don't accept your, your type. What do you mean you don't accept my type? I'm not Jewish. No, no, you're Jewish, but you're not, you're not Ashkenazi. Or you're not this, or you're not that. I'm a Jew. What's wrong with being a Jew? No, you're a different type of Jew. There's places for you. No, there's no places for me. The next place for me is three hours from here. I don't want to move. You're here. You're five minutes from my house. Why can't I go to Yeshiva? 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Can't accept them? Why? The shine. Le Shaim, Le Shaim, the only, re, only explanation for it. With the beard and the hat and call themselves religious. Le Shaim. Why? You ever deny a person from learning Torah, by definition, you are a Rasha. What's my proof? Proof is one of the people. It says, three kings, no share of the world to come. Sing Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin. After that, it says, four. Regular people have no share of the world to come. One of them is Gehazi. Gehazi was, knew a lot of Torah, ton of Torah. Why? His rabbi was Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet. Who's rabbi? Who's uh, Elisha the prophet? Who's his rabbi? Eliyahu Navi. So Elisha the prophet took over, took over the family business after Eliyahu Navi. And Hashem Barach gave him even more powers than Eliyahu Navi. He asked Hashem, Hashem, what do you want? I want double what Eliyahu Navi had. Hashem gave it to him. Hashem gave it to him. They said the miracles that Elisha Navi did were bigger than Eliyahu Navi. So his student, Gehazi, they say he has no share of the world to come. Why no share of the world to come? Because one time Elisha made a miracle where this king, this Goy king, had sarat and no one was able to heal him. He said, listen, there's this Chacham, this Jewish guy, He's a miracle worker. Why don't you just bring him here? He'll uh, heal you. So they go send for Elisha. Elisha says, I'm not going in. You can tell him to come here. Why? Because he says, I ha- we learned later on, there's a process here. So the king, what's he going to do? He's tzarad, he's in pain, he's in agony, he's in this. What's he going to do? So he goes all the way to him. And Elisha doesn't even go outside. He gives instructions to Gehazi, go tell him to go to Yamamelach. Go somewhere. He doesn't even see him. 
Yes. I'm a king. There's people. There's hundreds of thousands of people following him everywhere he goes, putting flowers on the floor just so he doesn't step on the floor. And this guy is not even willing to see me. He tells me to just go somewhere. So even his helpers are saying, listen, Your Honor, I understand he's not being so nice here. But what do you care? You have a disease here. You want to solve it. Just You listen to everybody else that didn't work. What do you care about listening to this guy? What do you care? He's not even charging you any money. Long story short, he goes, he follows, he gets healed. He's so impressed that he goes to see Elisha, the prophet, and he says, your God is amazing. I want to be part of it. I want to be a Jew. I want to be a Jew. And here's my present to you. He wants to give him tons of gold and, and wealth and diamonds, all types of wonderful things. Elisha, the prophet, says, no, no, thank you. We don't take money. We don't take money. Hashem pays. You, we, I did it purely for Kiddush Hashem. All the money in the world is not worth an ounce of Kiddush Hashem. One penny of Kiddush Hashem is worth more than all the money that ever existed from the beginning of the world until the end of the world. He says, I don't want any money. You now want to be a Jew? That's already great. That's amazing. That's the ultimate. Even if you would have just said, God is great, that would have been amazing. Now you want to be a Jew? Oh, Hashem, it's great. No problem. So the question is, why did he make him go through all this balagan? Why did he see him? Why didn't he talk to him? Why, he, why was he nice to him? It says here in the Mishnah, you're not allowed to be not nice. It goes against the Mishnah, right? So what does Chazal say? No, no. The king, because he was a king, even though he was suffering in pain, even though he was in agony, even though he was sick, even though everything was happening, he was still the king, which means he still had gava, he still had pride. And for Hashem Barach to help you, first thing first, destroy your pride. So Elisha saw that he has a good heart. Saw that he had a good heart, he says, but he has one thing, he has a little bit of pride in his heart. In order for my miracles to work, that Hashem Barach is going to allow me to do any miracle, to do anything, I have to kill the pride, because if there's pride, there's no God. Hashem Barach says, if there's a place, if a person is prideful, I can't be there. Why I can't be there? Because if he has pride, he thinks he's God. And there's only one God. There's no two gods. So if he has pride, I can't be next to him. He disgusts me. It's called to'avat Hashem. Disgusting to Hashem. Someone that's prideful, that's arrogant, Hashem can't be next to him. He's disgusted to him. Just like you're disgusted with feces. Even more so, Hashem is disgusted with somebody that is pride. He goes, why is he disgusted? He said, he's wearing my robe and he's pretending to be the king. It's my robe. It's not, you didn't even buy the robe. You didn't even buy the robe with your own money. You stole my robe and you're pretending while you're cleaning my room. You're cleaning guy. Cleaning guy, cleaning the king's room. The king's not in the room. He's somewhere else in the castle, big castle. So what does the cleaning guy do while he's vacuuming? He takes one of the king's robes and he pretends to be the king. He looks at the mirror. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Who are you? You're the cleaning guy. He says, this is a guy with pride. This is a guy, he stole the king's robe, he's pretending to be the king. There's no more chutzpah than that. He goes, I can't be in the same room as him. Who's this guy? So, Elisha, the prophet, knew that pride and Hashem don't go together. So he had to kill his pride. He killed his pride because he didn't give him any kavod. For the first time in his life, he didn't get kavod. And that's why the blessing worked, and he healed him. So now, 
Where does Gehazi come in? Gehazi comes in where he sees his rabbi, has an opportunity to make bank. He has an opportunity to win not $600 million of the lotto. $6 billion right now. $6 billion cash. Cash. No taxes, no nothing. $6 billion cash. And he said, no thank you. He says, no thank you. Gehazi's heart fell to the floor. He couldn't take it. The king left. He doesn't know what just happened. He's like, listen, how many kolalim can we buy with this money? How many talmidei chachamim we can do? All the mitzvot in the world we can do. We could, maybe, maybe somehow we could find Moshe Rabbeinu, where he's buried with all this money. How many mitzvot we can do? We can build a kolal. And another kolal. We could turn the world into a kolal. You're saying, no? He can't take it. He doesn't know what to do. So while Elisha is back to his Torah, he's back to Kedusha, he's not careful. He didn't think about it. Like you and me that right now is suffering just because of the story. He's back to Torah. Gehazi go, goes, runs after the king. He says, no, 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 your, your honor. No, my, my master, he's very humble. He's very humble. He's not going to take money from you. He's not going to take money from you. It's not nice. You know, it says, Gemara Masechet Sanedrin, page 56, that even if you give a rav, rabbi, money, cash in his hand, it's not appropriate. If you give him money, you have to give it to him in an envelope. In an envelope, or to give it to one of his uh, helpers, if he has a helper. Or to put it in a tzedakah box. Don't give it to him in his hand. Why don't give it to him in his hand? Because eventually, you become too friendly to the point where you can say, oh, he's only here for the money. You're going to lose kavod for him. Why? Because the money somehow connects you to be overly friendly. And lose kavod for the rav of being a rav. Look at it. So now, Gehazi says, So he needs a little clothes, new wardrobe, a few things, a few that. So the king says, no problem. No problem. I'll give him whatever he wants. Whatever he wants, I'll give him. No problem. But now in his heart he says, "Mm, maybe he did do it for the money. I'm still impressed. He healed me after all. Saved my life. But maybe there was a little bit of part of him that did it for the money. So I'm just going to be a righteous Noahide. I'm not going to convert. I'm not going to convert. I'm not going to convert my whole country. I'm not going to convert my family. Nothing. I'm going to be a righteous Noahide. He was righteous, no problem. Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Gehazi just destroyed a nation. When he came back to Elisha, Elisha said, where'd you get this stuff? He goes, no, a few things. where'd you get this stuff? Oh, a few things. He goes, you, all the klalot that were on him, all the curses, the... uh, the sicknesses and everything will go on you and your entire descendants forever. May you never ever heal. All of his family, him, everybody else, mamash, klala, I cursed for eternity. He cursed him for eternity. Why curse him for eternity? Just say, hey, listen, stupid, go return the money. He says, no, 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 his heart already changed. You just destroyed a nation of Jews. A nation of Jews. You thought you did something small, you got me a few jackets, like I care about the jackets, or a few million dollars, like I care about the few million dollars. You just destroyed eternity, eternity, for millions of people. So here, Ben Azai is telling us, this is one of the major reasons of why you have to be nice to everyone, you have to be honest to everyone, you can't underestimate anyone, because even someone small, 
can end up being big. Someone that doesn't know the alphabet at 40 years old, divorced with a kid, got remarried, second marriage, all of a sudden, 24 years later, he's the biggest rabbi in history. Rabbi Akiva. At the same token, someone that had much bigger opportunities than him. Much bigger opportunities. Gehazi had Elisha, the prophet, miracle worker, as his rabbi. He was with him. He knew a lot of Torah, Gehazi. Wait, he didn't know Torah. His rabbi is Elisha. You know how much Torah he knew? One small action, one small action, destroyed eternity. Destroyed eternity, not just for him, for millions of people. Millions of people, from one stupid little thing, for money, for shtiot, for garbage. One more second changes everything. One more second. So, this also pertains to what we also talked about yesterday. Sometimes, people think of themselves a little bit too much. Sometimes. Sometimes. I wish it was on sometimes. But, here, the Mishnah is telling us Everybody's a big deal. Everyone's a big deal. To such an extent that you're never allowed to disrespect any of Hashem's creations. Say, what is this for? What is this for? David Melech, one time, said to Hashem, why'd you create wasps, spiders, and drunk people for? For what? What do you need these things for? What do you need these things for? Hashem Baruch answered him. And he says, In your life, you think it's Stuyot, in your life, in your life, you are going to beg for these Stuyot to help you. In your life, you're going to beg for them to help you. One day, Shaul HaMelech was chasing him, trying to kill him. David HaMelech runs into a cave. Runs into a cave, the Midrash Ben Sirah, the son of Yermiyahu, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, had a Midrash called Ben Sirah. His name was Ben Sirah. And uh, he wrote a Midrash, and he wrote about the story, because Nebuchadnezzar, the king, asked him some questions, some unusual questions, and he says the story about David Amela, because Nebuchadnezzar had the same question. Nebuchadnezzar asked the question of uh, Jeremiah's uh, son, who was a giant in Torah, it's like, why did Hashem create these bugs, these drunk people, for what? Goes, oh, David and Melech asked the same question. Oh, okay, what did he say? This is what he said, he tells the story. What's the story? Shaul Melech, King Saul in English, was Kodesh Kodeshim. Gemara says, if the roles were turned, and King David was the king first, and Shaul was the younger, and King David was chasing Shaul. Shaul HaMelech was so righteous, was so righteous, that Hashem would have let Shaul kill, kill King David. So the, the Christians that don't use our old Torah think that Shaul HaMelech was a Rasha. They're idiots. If they learn about Shaul HaMelech, they know he's Kodesh Kodeshim. As a matter of fact, one of the major uh, things we learn in Gemara Masechet Megillah is that he was a very, very modest man. Very ultra-modest man. And because of his modesty, he was gifted. Who was gifted? 
the descendant of, of Shaul Melech, that saved the people, saved the nation, the entire nation. No? Purim. Who saved the nation? Purim? Esther, Chazaku Baruch. Esther, Esther. Esther saved the entire nation. She's a descendant of Shaul Melech. Why did he get the gift of Esther? Because he was modest. And she was modest. Modest, midah keneged midah. So anyway, one day, Shaul Melech thought that David was a rodef, was trying to steal his kingdom. He didn't know that Hashem dictated that he's going to be the king. So he chased him. So King, king David didn't want him. David didn't want to kill him. He knew he was a tzaddik. He knew he was making a mistake, but he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. So he didn't want to kill him. He wanted to run away. So he ran, 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 ran away. Going, went into a cave. But eventually they're going to get to the cave. Hashem made a miracle where spider made a bunch of webs, blocked the cave. As soon as Shaul HaMelech got there, says, there's no way that anybody's in here because it would have ruined all webs. So this is the first proof. Hashem says, see, you're begging. You're begging for this miracle. Look what I did for you. From the thing you thought was shtuyot, was nonsense. Second thing is, one of the times he went to the camp of Shaul HaMelech, but to show him that he's his friend, he's not his enemy, while he's sleeping, he took his sword. But Avner, one of the servants, one of the, the general of, of Shaul HaMelech, was huge and strong. His leg got in the way and he couldn't move it. So he started praying to Hashem, Hashem, help me, what am I going to do? If I move, he's going to wake up, they're going to kill me. And I just want to take his sword just to show him that I took your sword and I could have killed you, but I'm not killing you. Why? Because I love you. I don't, I don't hate you. To prove a point. But now nah, I don't want to lose my life. So what do I do? Hashem made a miracle. A wasp came and uh, stung him and he moved his leg. Moved his leg. He didn't wake up and start crying like we would. He moved his leg. For him it was nothing. He just moved. Like for him it was like a mosquito bite. Right. So now, second thing Hashem says, look, Look, look what happened. My little wasp that you thought was nothing. Look what it did feel. The, the third thing is, he didn't ask about mosquitoes. If we already have an answer for the other ones, we definitely have answers for a mosquito. The other one, last one, is Achish. Achish, the king, the Goy king. Uh, uh, and he, they caught David Melech. And Achish, his wife and his daughter were both crazy. Both of them went crazy. David Melech started praying to Hashem and said, as soon as I get to the king, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Hashem, help me. Hashem, help me. What do I do? What do I do? Hashem gave him the idea to act like a drunk. Act like a crazy person. So as soon as they brought King David to the castle, King David was like, ah, he's making you know, all types of things. He's making himself look like a fool. So there's a verse in, in, in uh, the book of Samuel. It says, don't I have enough crazy people in this house? You're bringing me another crazy guy. You think this is King David, you idiots. You think this is King David? Is God, is God, is He's a holy man, he's a respectable man, honorable man, he's a king. You think you're just walking around? You brought me a homeless, homeless guy you brought me. So Hashem Ibar showed him, see, the things you thought were shtiot, all three of them saved your life. All three of them saved your life. So one of the things we learned from this Mishnah that Ben Azai is telling us is you're never allowed to... Huh? No, no, it's okay. You're never allowed to disrespect any of Hashem's creation simply because every single thing that exists in the world has a purpose. There's no such thing as a purposeless creation. So much so that even the creation knows it. Have you ever seen anybody 
work on a piece of equipment, work on a piece of wood, work on a piece of anything on the computer for no reason. He built something for no reason. You ask him, why'd you build this chair? No reason. To sell it? No. Somebody sit on it? No. To look at it? It's pretty? No. Why'd you get it? Nothing. No reason. You ever see such a thing? Somebody made something. You put them into a Balbanel, the, uh, the crazy house. Mental institution you put them. Somebody makes something for no reason? What's wrong with you? No one in the world, the creation of the creator, knows enough that you cannot do something for no reason. There's no such thing. Everything you do must have a reason. So, of course, the creator knows it. So, Shem says, every one of my creation is part of the ultimate purpose. You're never allowed to disrespect anything. Just because you don't know why such and such happened is your deficiency, not the creation's. Not to disrespect it. This goes and continues the issue that we talked about yesterday briefly to give another last chidush to finish this whole situation with art scroll being insulted. One last thing I want to mention on that point. Yesterday we gave a nice chidush about the issue, but in the... Um, preservative. Uh, huh? Preservative, preservative, right, exactly. Art scroll is a preservative. So for anyone who hasn't listened so far, the key is that there are unfortunately many people that uh, go to yeshivot and they don't learn about Yerat Shemaim. They learn about insulting people instead. So they make fun of people that learn from Archkol, the publisher, because Archkol provides you commentary and it makes it a little easier to read the Gemara and uh, understand it. But not understand all the secrets and everyone that learns Archkol is going to become a Kabbalist. Understand basic level. So people are saying, no, no, you should learn the tougher way and do this and do that. So, as I always told you guys, the Hashem is so perfect that He provides the cure before you ever knew that you could even be sick. Now, 11 years ago, 11 years ago, my Rav, Rav Ephraim, wrote an answer about this specific thing and published it in all the yeshivot in Eretz Yisrael. 11 years ago, this is, he was uh, 17 years old. All the yeshivot accepted this answer, not one rabbi went against him. Send it to yeshivot, didn't send it to a few friends. Send the answer to all the yeshivot, giant yeshivot, Ravavadya, everyone accepted this answer. No one said one thing about it. He wrote this answer and he published it later on when he published one of his many books. Echtov <laughs> Israel. How good is it? Israel. It's a pasuk in, in the Torah. And here, I think you have Chelek 1. Chelek Aleph. I give it to... Uh, okay, so this is good to read. So in Perek Aleph, he has about 11 dapim. 11 dapim about this specific issue. It says, Lefum chupa shibashta. He calls this, uh, this Siman Yud Aleph in Echtov Yisrael. And he goes into the details. I'm not going to go into all the details. He says, the people that spend too much time going and trying to do pilpulim, which is like looking into the details of the details of the details of the details, not for to know what the halacha is, not to know what the secret is, but for the purpose of mental stimulation. Which is good, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But he says here that the major chachamim have said that to some extent, if, if they're not corrected these people, then they end up doing so much digging that they end up learning nothing. And whatever they learn is wrong anyway. One of them, 
happens to be in this specific situation when these people go and they actually start making fun of anyone that's learning in a different shita. He says, Shmua Shamati, I heard. You know, that's what you know people say, I heard. They don't they don't say, Oh yeah, for sure there's Rashaim in the world. Say, I heard distant hearing that there are some people that dare not only say that their way is the only way, the best way, but they make fun of any other way of learning. This is in essence the same exact thing of what's happening with people from Yeshivot that say anyone that's learning in a different way is wrong, art scroll or any other way. He says, I heard such a thing. He says, he says a bunch of things about it. And I'll read you a few uh, things. First and foremost, these people need to understand that someone that speaks such things, they create a lot of anguish in Shamayim, and that anguish in Shamayim eventually leads to suffering here. For who? For them. Because they're not keeping their mouth. Someone that keeps their mouth clean, keeps their body away from tzahot, away from, from, from suffering. And he gives you all types of verses. He says, ultimately, the biggest thing of what's happening here is that these people are poslim. They're canceling people out. But it already says in the Gemara, a posel be'acherim b'mumo posel. He himself becomes pasul. He himself, himself becomes not kosher. By going making fun of other people. Why, why such a big thing? Because, because these other ways of studying, it's good for them. It's still Torah. They're still getting to the basic understanding. They're still getting to know what's going on. They're still learning Torah for Torah. They're not learning Torah for uh, any other reason. So what you're doing is that you're discouraging somebody from learning Torah. You are causing, not only Chilul Hashem, but you're causing Bitul Torah. Bitul Torah. In the Gemara it says, someone is Bitul Torah, it brings death penalty to the world. Not just for him, for people. It creates war in a nation. And he says a lot of other things, but one of the best things that I found out from other Ephraim is that the answer to all of this doesn't even need to be in my book. It's actually in the Gemara. It's in the Gemara. Gemara Masechet Shabbat, page 63. Page 63a answers anyone that goes against a different shita of learning. Some people say, listen, you know, you should learn the Gemara the way it's written and not learn it in art scroll because art scroll gives you a, uh, a English translation. You should learn the Gemara in its language, which is a combination of Hebrew and Aramaic. This couldn't be further from the truth. Why? Because the only thing that you're supposed to learn in its language, if it's possible, is the written Torah. Why? Because the written Torah has secrets within the language itself, which we'll learn shortly. The actual learn, the actual Gemara itself, is for the purpose of the Gemara is to learn what it means. Not the letters, not how it's written. Bottom line, pshat. What is Hashem saying here? What are the Chachamim saying here? What is the Alakha? What's happening here? Not why is it written with this letter? Why is it written with that letter? Why is this sentence? No, no, no. This has nothing to do with the oral Torah. Nothing to do with it. That's the Rin Torah you're talking about. The Gemara, you learn it in a language you understand. Which, by the way, is the reason why somebody like myself 
it's very sad to say, sometimes I have people that come to me, they've been learning in yeshiva for 25 years, they come for one shiur, they say, listen, how do you know all of it? You've only been studying for a few years, I learned yeshiva 25 years, I don't know 5%. I said, it has nothing to do with me, it's all Hashem. He goes, yeah, but still, the Gemara that you read, I read it a hundred times, I didn't understand anything. I said, what language are you read it in? He said, I learned it in uh, whatever it says. I said, do you understand Aramaic? Do you understand uh, Hebrew? He goes, yeah, you know, I have uh, this, I have uh, that. I'm like, yeah, but do you understand like you understand English? He goes, oh, I understand. I'm like, let me ask you a question. When you dream, you go to sleep, go to sleep. What language do you dream in? What language do you, what language do you dream in? That's how you know, by the way, what's your first language. What language do you dream in? Every time, not just once in a blue moon. Every time, what language do you dream in? When you talk to somebody, you're talking to the fish, you're talking to the zoo animal of some other kind, whatever, some ghost you're talking to, whoever you're talking to in your crazy dream, what language are you speaking? He says, I speak English. I said, so you have to read in English, my friend. Yes, it's good to learn the other languages. But not if you don't understand it. If you understand the Aramaic, just like you understand English, Shrecha, do it. But if you if you read a whole daf gemara, you're on the whole masech, you don't understand what's going on. You waste your time. Give me a source. Here's a source. Gemara masechet Shabbat. Gemara masechet Shabbat, page sixty-three. Says Rav Kahana. Amar Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana said, when I was eighteen years old, eight years of age, I learned the entire Talmud. He learned the entire gemara already by the time he was eighteen years old, which means much more than us learning gemara at any age, because for them to learn in Taigma means he already knew it completely. And he says, but I never knew that a verse ever departs from the pshat, from the plain meaning. Until now, until I learned it from Rabbi Lazal. Now that I learn it, but until now, I never knew that there was something beyond the pshat. I never knew. I thought that whatever it says... That's what you learn. There's no like secrets. There's no exegesis and, and you know figuring things out. There's secrets, chidushim. He says, I learned the basics. What's the chidushim? So what is Rav? Why is this written in the Gemara that he didn't know this for so many years? For two years, for ten years, for twenty years? What's the big deal? Why is this written in the Gemara? This is written in the Gemara for a reason. The Gemara says, why is this written in the Gemara? What lesson are we learning from here? We're learning from Rav Ka'ana. He's trying to teach us that first... A person must learn the basic pshat for what it means. Then after he knows these and he's comfortable with the entire pshat, only then can he even consider reasoning and pilpulin and digging in and going for this and going for that and going for the secret and trying to figure... No, no, no. First understand the entire Gemara as it is. Basic, which means you have to understand what it says, my man. You have to understand what it says. You learning the same Daf Gemara for three and a half years, thinking you're Kodesh Kodeshim, you're just an idiot. Why? Because you learn one page for three years. There's still 2,665 more pages. So this is the Gemara. Most important thing is to learn the Pshat. Arch scroll gives you the Pshat. First finish the Shas. Finish the entire Gemara. Basic. Once, twice, more. After you're comfortable with it, then you can start learning it in different languages, original language, this language, that language, whatever. But first learn what it says. You can't tell me I've been learning for 25 years and I still don't know the difference between white and blue. So all these people that go against art scroll, 
They're going against the Torah. They're going against the Chachamim. Why? Because this is just to learn the basic Pshat. And if you have a wrong translation of the Pshat, of the basic meaning, everything else you're going to build on top of it, as we said yesterday, is rotten, it's good, it's wrong. Because if the foundation is rotten, eventually the building you build on top of it will collapse. So here, what's the result? What's the outcome? What does Rabbi Ephraim, what does Rabbi Ephraim say about such people? Where does it all stem from? He says this all stems from the people that are making fun of anybody learning Torah. What does it stem from? It stems from two things. One, gava, pride. They think they're better than everybody else. Apparently they haven't read this Mishnah in Perkei Avot that says you can't judge people uh, in such a way and make fun of them regardless of their Tamit Chacham, Tamit Katan, Goy. Doesn't matter. You're not allowed to make fun of people. Two, no Yirat Shamayim. Yirat Shamayim they missed. And he says, why? So how come they don't know this Gemara? They learn Gemara. They repeat Purim. They go to Yeshiva 25 years, this, that. Why? He says in the book, he says in the book, he says because they're so busy making fun of other people and so busy focusing on the one page for the entire three months, four months, five months, they only learn one page, two pages, three pages, three months, that they never actually got to the 63rd page of Masechet Shabbat. They never read the actual Gemara because they're still busy on the first page. So from your Pilpulim, you end up doing Bilbulim. From the pilpul, you ended up confused. Ah, the guy hates me for no reason. Sinat chinam, misken. Misken, misken, misken. There's a lot of miskenim. People just destroy their world. So, so that's the thing. The problem is that people are, are mamash putting their ulamaba at risk every day for no reason. No reason. Just learn. Do what you got to do. You don't agree with somebody else. You don't agree with somebody else. You don't have to agree with everybody in the world. But to stop making fun of people in public, Why? Why? Why making fun of people in public? Put their names out there, destroy them, destroy personalities, defame them, embarrass them. Why? For what? For what? What are you gaining out of it? Matov. What, 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 what benefit do you get out of it? What, everybody tells you, ha, 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 with you? Don't you know? Don't you know there's a rule in the Torah? So the Gemara asks, why is it that someone that embarrasses another person in public has no share of the world to come? So my answer is, says because he committed murder. What does Malbin Pnechavero mean? He makes his, his face white. Why all the, all the, from embarrassment, all the blood rushed out of his face. And if he didn't have cheeks, all of the blood would split into the, he would die. All the blood from his entire body would come out of his face. So you have to thank God, Hashem gave him cheeks. You just committed murder, 100%. He says, yeah, okay, fine, it's no problem. But Rav Nisimi again, Zechet Tzadik Livacha, says, okay, fine, no problem. But what happens here is that for murder, somebody murdered, it's, it's punishment, death penalty, but he still has share of the world to come. Yeah. You're saying that someone that's a Malbin Pnei Chavero, that embarrasses another person in public, has no share of the world to come, but it's like murder. So how is it that murder itself still has Olam Abba, and like murder has no Olam Abba? It's a worse punishment. So Orach Haim HaKadosh says, the one that murdered, the next day, he realizes he just killed somebody. He realizes it's not good. He has a conscience, he's still human, he's not, an, he's not a tiger or, or a lion. If he's a normal person, he's not completely crazy. 
There's some part of it that feels bad. If he gets caught, even more. Gets uh, punished, goes to jail, something happens. If he kills somebody in this country, he goes to jail for 5-10 years. If he steals a million dollars, 30 years minimum. Stupidest country in the world, but that's the law. He steals money, he goes to jail pretty much for the rest of his life. He kills 5-6 people, goes to jail for 10 years. If he's got a good lawyer, 5 years. There's only a couple of uh, states in the country that have a little bit of common sense. So anyway, but the Torah asks here, why is it the guy that murdered has Olam Abba, punished, but has Olam Abba, the guy that did something like a murder, embarrassed somebody in public, no Olam Abba. It's like a murder, should be less. If anything, should be less. So Chaim HaKadosh says, the guy that murdered, he feels bad a little bit. He suffers a little bit because he knows at the end of the day he murdered somebody. The guy that did Lashon Hara, went against the rabbi in public, went against the regular person in public, started embarrassing his waiter in public, embarrassed his wife in front of the kids, embarrassed the student, think, hey, whatever he did. He does, not only doesn't feel bad, he feels he's right. He did a mitzvah. He did a mitzvah like this tembel that made the recording against me recently. What happens? What does he do? I'm comfortable saying it simply because I know no one's going to ever find him. What is he doing? He's doing it for Ami said to fight the sheker, to fight the lies. So he publicizes my name and tells everybody, I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I never did this, I never did that. Mamash murders me in public. What happened? Did I, did, what happened? What are you doing? What are you doing? He feels he's right. He feels he's not only right, he's doing chesed. He's doing mitzvah. He's doing something good. That's why Shemit Bar says, such a person, if he doesn't do tshuva, Bezat Hashem does tshuva, such a person, en lo chelik lo Why? Because he's never going to suffer for it. He's never going to say, I'm sorry for it. Even in Elul. Elul, 40 days of tshuva. Yom Kippur, chatanu avinu pashanu. Nothing. He's never going to be 40 years, 50 years, 70 years on earth. Every year, say, say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry. What is it? What am I saying I'm sorry for? For what? What should I be sorry for? I did a mitzvah, the Kiddush Hashem. I embarrassed your own Reuven in public. Now he knows better. I embarrassed Archkol in public. I embarrassed all the Chachamim, Rav David Feinstein, Rav Kanievsky, Rav Steinemann. I went against all of them. I was Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation. I did Kiddush Hashem. He's never good. Not only does not feel bad, he's proud of what he did. He's proud of what he did. Ben Azai Omer, don't be mean to people. It starts with small sin. It starts by being mean to the guy that just showed up to the yeshiva for the first time. It starts by being mean to the average guy. Jew, non-Jew, rich, poor, male, female, don't be mean. Don't be mean. It's the basic level. He's not talking about chasidut. You have to be this. You have to be that. Those basic human being. Don't be mean to anyone. You have no toilet. There's nothing resourceful or productive out of it. It's only going to bring you bad. It's only going to bring you suffering. It's only going to put your ulama ba in jeopardy. Why? And never be such a person 
that makes fun of other things and get to a point where eventually you think you're running the show. Why? Because everyone else will get their time to shine. Everyone else will get their time to shine. Just like this Duka got his time to shine, just like Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar used to be scribe, worked for the king. Worked for the king in the time of Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu Amelech had health come to him. He was supposed to die. Hashem gave him a special test. He was going to kill him. Because even though he was holy of holies, he made a mistake and used his judgment to say that he, know, he knew from prophecy that his son was Menashe. And Menashe was going to be a Rasha. He says, it's better off not to bring the son to the world. It's going to go against Hashem, put an idol in, in Bet Mikdash. It's better off not to get married. It's better off to never bring this child to the world. Hashem sent the prophet Isaiah to him and says, tomorrow you're going to die. Tomorrow Hashem is going to kill you. No, why? The entire nation, even the little boys, five, six years old, they know the entire Mishnah by heart. They know the entire Mishnah by heart. The little boys, five, six years old. Today, Gdola Don knows it. Little boys, they're just learning Aleph Bet. In the generation of Chizkiyahu, little boys know the entire oral Torah by heart. They say when they bury him, Gemara Masechet Moed Katan, page 25, says when Chizkiyahu Amelech died, they buried him next to, in the same coffin. Same thing, Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah. Why? It says, this is Kodesh, this is Kodesh. Same thing. The Sefer Torah, Chizkiyahu, same thing. Sefer Torah, Chizkiyahu, same thing. To such an extent, the Gemara says, that Hashem was thinking of bringing the Mashiach in a generation, and he said to himself, if the Mashiach would come, Chizkiyahu would be Mashiach. So the same Chizkiyahu, the same Kodesh Kodeshim made a mistake, used his logic. Used his logic, Hashem was going to punish him. But then he did Tshuva, he married the prophet Isaiah's daughter, Hashem made him healthy. Right away. Made him healthy. So the Goy king found out about it. Goy king found out health, found out that Hashem stopped the sun for him. Great miracles are happening for Am Yisrael. So he sent him a letter. He says to his scribe, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, write a letter. To Chizkiyahu, Shalom. To the people of Yerushalayim, Shalom. And to your God, Shalom. So the scribe, Nebuchadnezzar, writes it. Give him a job. Your job is to write. He writes it. He puts it in an envelope. He gives it to the messenger. The messenger starts walking out. Nebuchadnezzar goes to his king and he says, uh, Your Highness, what you just wrote to this Jew, wrote to this Jew, you believe it? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you believe in their God? Goes, of course I believe in their of course I believe there was no kufrim like today. Even the Goyim believed in God back then. But of course I believe in the God. Look at the miracles. You have to be blind not to believe in God. Blind, crazy, stupid, all combined into one like shakshuka. What do you mean you don't believe in God? Because so why, why did your highness write the honors to the king of flesh and blood first, to the people of flesh and blood second, and to the king of kings, the almighty, last? Shouldn't it be the opposite? The king said, you're right. Go get the messenger. 
He runs, he runs, he runs. The Buchanetzer, the little messenger, runs after the messenger, the mailman. The messenger is three steps outside of the castle. Three steps outside of the castle. The Buchanetzer catches him. Catches him, give me the letter, and he takes three steps back. He's back in the castle. And for that, the Gemara says, for that honor that Nebuchadnezzar gave Hashem Barach, Hashem made him king of the world. Hashem made Nebuchadnezzar king of the world, no king. He told him, and Prophet Daniel told to, 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 uh, to Nebuchadnezzar, no king will be as strong as you until Mashiach. No one will run the world like you did until Mashiach. For what? To give him an honor on a, on a piece of paper? And until this day, Am Yisrael every day tries to undo it. How do we try to undo it? All the honor and, 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 and things that they, Hashem gave to Nebuchadnezzar. How do we try to undo it? Every day in Amidah, what do you do? You take three steps back. Why do you take three steps back? Because he took three steps forward to give Hashem Kiddush Hashem. We're trying to undo it. Why? Because this Rasha that took three steps to sanctify Hashem's name, he also destroyed Beit HaMikdash. So we're trying to undo it. So we take three steps back. Don't give him any respect. Don't give him nothing. Give us back. Give us back Beit HaMikdash. So every day you do Amidah, you don't even know why. 20, 30, 40, 50 years, people do Amidah. They have no idea why they're taking three steps, three steps. They think we're like monkeys. We have a little system. No, everything in Judaism is something. Is that the secret? Every, that's the secret. That's amazing. That's the secret. Midrash is. So here we see everything in Judaism has a reason. If you don't know it, it's not because there's no reason. It's because you don't know it. Go. Because it's not, it's, first of all, it didn't happen yet. The Prophet told him, they were friends. Jeremiah and the Buchanets were friends as little kids. They were friends. And uh, they were talking, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, I want to be I'm, you know, king one day, and I'm king, I'm going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. So the, Jeremiah saw in prophecy that it was his Shah, it was his time. It was his time, what he says was going to come true. Just listen. He knows he can't do anything about it, he can't change anything. And there's no certainty that he can kill him either. And you can't punish somebody before you made a sin either. That's why they said, why didn't Hashem just kill Esau before he killed somebody else? Why didn't Hashem kill Amalek before he killed somebody else? Why didn't Hashem... Because you can't punish anyone until the crime. You can't punish them in advance. Even if you know what's going to happen. You can't punish them in advance. You can't start yelling at your, at your wife before she spent all your money. You can't. You can't tell, honey, please don't go. If she spent all your money, then you can talk to her. And, but you can't like go crazy on her before she spent the money. You can't yell at the rabbi for making a mistake. He didn't start talking yet. <laughs> Understand? So, Jeremiah says, listen, if you're going to be king, at least leave me the bit of Mikdash. Don't touch the bit of Mikdash. No, I'm going to do it. Leave me this. They try, he tried negotiating with him now. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't know this. Is, he actually sees this is going to come true. But Nebuchadnezzar had his shah. It was his time. Yeah, I mean, he wanted, he wanted to go, he wanted to be, a, he wanted to run the world. He wanted to run the world. He even, even went against God, though. He went against the God. He went against God. How do we know when it's our Shah Tova? How do we know a Shah Tova? It's a good question. So,
Okay. So, your shy, you're going to know because everything can literally change in a second. Things can change in a second. Somebody can be a loser for a very, very long time. All of a sudden, Hashem opens his brain and he becomes something. There's a story, a famous story about a guy that was a, um, a uh, gabai for 20 years. Gabai, you know, uh, one of the guys running the shul for 20 years. And after a while, they saved some money. They started getting some new congates to, uh, to the Keilah that had some money. Rich people, they built, they expanded the Bekneset. And, you know, they, they came to this Gabai and they said, Listen, the, the Yamim Tovim are coming. Yamim Noah, you know, the Yom Kippur is coming. Rosh Hashanah is coming. The big guys, the rich guys are coming to the Bekneset. So this year you have to be prepared that when already now you want you to write down the name of all these rich people. So when they come, you give them a card so you can put it so everybody knows who they are. You give them respect. You give them this. You give them that. You go, oh, 20 years of running the place. I never had to do this. He goes, yeah, but now we're famous, fancy, this, that. People are going to come. Mr. Wright, he goes, I'm sorry. I can't do it. He goes, why can't you do it? I don't know how to read and write. I don't know how to read and write. He's skin. doesn't know how to read and write. So they said, listen, you don't know how to read and write. You're fired. 20 years I work here, that's what I do. You're just going to find me like that? Hey, we need somebody that's going to give kavod to the big people. Why? That's how we make our money. Mr. Skin, what is he going to do? He goes home. His wife says, listen, you still need to make panasa. They fight, no fight. You need to make panasa. He goes, I don't have anything else to do. He goes, listen, you have some tools in the, uh, in the garage. Take the tools. Go sell the tools. Okay, takes the tools, puts them in a thing, goes to the market, you know, tools, I got a plier, I got a fork, I got a this, I got a, I got a hammer, what am I going to do? He starts selling the tools, and there's some old lady says to him, oh, you sell tools, listen, I have some tools in my house, do you want to sell them? He says, uh, I'll give you commission. The guy says, listen, what else am I going to do? I can't be gabai, I can't be uh, architect, I can't be doctor, I can't be lawyer, what are I going to do is offer me something. Sure, why not? He goes to the old lady house, he takes her tools, he starts selling the tools, little by little, one thing leads to another, it's his shah, it's his time, things start booming, the guy starts making big money, starts a company, starts a big business, ta, 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 ta. a few years pass, all of a sudden, this guy's a multi-millionaire, one day there's a big deal that he has with China, and the guy from China, the messenger from China, is about to deliver the goods, he's delivering the goods, he says, okay sir, $10 million worth of products we're delivering to you. He's going to make millions off of this. We're delivering to you, sir. Just sign over here. Sign over here, sir. He goes, I'm sorry, I don't sign. This is what I do. He takes his uh, finger, puts it in ink, and he puts it on a thing, like a fingerprint. He goes, no, 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 sir. In China, we do business like Americans. We signature. We need name. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't sign. This is how I sign. He goes, Why? He goes, I don't know how to sign. He goes, what do you mean you don't know how to sign? He goes, I don't know how to read and write. He goes, look at you. You built a company, you just did a $10 million deal, and you don't even know how to read and write. Imagine how much you can do if you knew how to read and write. He says, actually, if I knew how to read and write, I'd still be a gabai. I'd still be a gabai making 300 bucks a week. So now, here we have a situation where a person knows that you're not allowed to disrespect people. Everybody's going to have a time to shine. Everybody's going to have a time to shine. And you're going to have to take the opportunity.
But at the same token, it all depends on what you do at that time. So the last but not least, it says, There's no such thing as I have a place in the world. See here, there's a few. There's the pshat, which is everything has its place in the world, which we already learned, whether it's a bug, or it's a plier, or it's a person, or it's black, or it's white, or it's this, or it's everything has its place in the world. If it's Hashem's creation, it has a place in the world. But there's another thing that we learn, is that makom, makom is also another name for God. The omnipresent, omnipresent Hashem. Makom means place, and Hashem is everywhere. So He's the omnipresent, He's everywhere. So in the Torah, there are many places where they refer to Hashem as makom. So it says here, the, the, uh, the uh, Chazal is explaining, is here, Ben Azai is saying, there's no such thing that doesn't have a God. There's no such creation that doesn't have a God. Whether you admit it or not, is irrelevant. Everything and anything has a God. So what does this mean? Everything and anything has a God. What does it mean to have a God? Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai was at the time, was alive at the time where they were destroying the Bet HaMikdash. And we said this in the Tisha uh, B'Av, it's a story in the Gemara, says that the uh, Vespasian was a uh, Andrianus, I think it's in Hebrew, uh, was uh, the general for the Roman Empire. He was outside of the uh, gate of Rome for three years. Three years. They won't let him into Yerushalayim. The Birionim, which were the Zionists of their day, the, uh, the bullies... The Zionists of their day were not letting anyone in, were not letting anyone out. And uh, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai knew that their system was not going to work. Not going to work. And reality is, is that eventually everyone's going to starve to death. So he wanted to try to negotiate with the Roman Empire. So he knew they're not going to let him out, so he made his students make a funeral for him, pretend like he was dead, they put his body in the coffin... And eventually they, he snuck his way out. There's even a story about that where the Birionim was such reshaim that they actually wanted to stab the body just to confirm he was dead. And the, you know, the Talmudim of Rabban Yochanan was saying, come on, you're going to dishonor. Even the Goim don't do this to bodies. You're going to dishonor a righteous Jew. The Gdola Dol just died. You're going to stab his body? You're going to disrespect the body like that? What's the matter with you? So he said, okay, fine, fine, fine. They let it out. Anyway, he gets to Vespesi and he gets to Andreyanus and he says, Hello, King, your King, your Highness. Hello, King. So Vespesian says, You deserve two death penalties. Mot yumat. Like it says, Michalel Shabbat. Michalel Shabbat, Mot yumat. You deserve not one death penalty, two death penalties. Because one, first one, I'm not the king. So you just address me as a king. I'm a general. That means you disrespected my king. Death penalty. He says, no, no, no. You're the king. You're the king. He says, I'm not the king. They're arguing. You're the king. I'm not the king. Why do you think I'm the king? He says, because it says in the Torah that only a king can take down Yerushalayim. They're not going to give it to some common person, to some general, even if he's fancy schmancy, even this. They're not going to give Yerushalayim to just anyone. Only a king that Hashem decides can take down Yerushalayim. Only a king. So you are a king. I'm not a king. Yes, a king. I'm not a king. Yes, a king. Oh, you are a king. 
Surely, while they're arguing, somebody, messenger, comes with the horses, da, 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 comes in, your highness, the king just uh, 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 committed suicide, and the government decided you are the king. You're the new king. On the spot, he has the schut to see, Rabban Yochanan, Mama's like prophecy. You're okay, you still deserve death penalty. Second reason, deserve death penalty. I'm impressed. Okay, you know it was a king. Great. Sure. I got to leave now. I got to go back to my country. King, you still deserve death penalty. Why you deserve death penalty? Because I've been here for three years. Three years I'm here. Three years I'm here around. If you knew I was king, where were you until now? Where were you until now? You come to me three years, you make the king wait outside the gate. If I'm the king, where were you until now? Hashem Barach gives us Elul. He gives us Elul because Judgment Day is in 40 days. Rosh He gives you an opportunity to do tshuva because the trial, there's no more tshuva in the trial. Whatever the case is, the case is. He gives you second chance to appeal on Yom Kippur, but there's no better good, you know, better time to have a good judgment than the original judgment. Now we don't want to be in a situation where we show up completely unprepared because we overslept every single day. We didn't do slichot. We didn't even say slicha bichlal. We still have gava. We still go against the Shem every day. We still mechale Shabbat. We're still eating on kosher. We're still looking at all the girls. We still haven't done tshuva. One of the questions, what's the foundation of tshuva? Foundation of tshuva, develop irat shamayim. That's foundation of tshuva. Why? Simple answer. Once you are developing irat shamayim, everything else comes. You're not going to go against the shem if you have irat shamayim. You're not going to violate Shabbat if you have irat shamayim. You're not going to eat non kosher if you have irat shamayim. You're not going to go play football instead of learn Torah if you have Yirat Shamayim. You're not going to do things against God on a regular basis if you are afraid of judgment. If you're afraid of Hashem Barak. Foundation of Tshuva, simple. Yirat Shamayim. Develop Yirat Shamayim by learning Musar. Everything else goes better from there. Why? Because from now on, once you have Yirat Shamayim, you ask yourself, what does God think about this? That's Yirat Shamayim. Not do and then ask. Not like some people, they say, Rabbi, can I eat this? And what do they send me? They send me a picture of a rapper of eating food already. <laughs> they already ate it. They asked me, can, is this kosher? <laughs> you should have called me before you ate it. Not after. Rabbi, what's the, uh, what's the halacha of if I'm about to marry a woman and she really, really is great. She loves Hashem. She loves Hashem. But she's not Jewish, and, and, and we're about to get married. What's the, what's the halacha with that? No, no. You're supposed to call me before you even met her. Before you ever decided to go get engaged. Before, not after you're at the wedding, you're going down the aisle, you're calling me. You're at the aisle, like, hey, rabbi, is this okay? Because the rabbi, even though it's a woman, they call themselves a rabbi, as talit on, and the dog is next to him under the chuppah. They said, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, he's reformed. He's uh, Amalek. Of course, he's going to say it's okay. So, 
What's Yirat Shamayim? Yirat Shamayim is asking Hashem, what do you think? What is your opinion? Not what's Yaron's opinion. Not what's this. What is your opinion? How do you know his opinion? You open Torah. You have Torah. It tells you what's Hashem's opinion. It tells you his opinion about homosexuality. It tells you his opinion about Shabbat. It tells you his opinion about Niuf, going with uh, women that you're not supposed to. It tells you about his opinion about jealousy. It tells you his opinion about business, how to conduct business. It tells you his opinion about everything. Everything. Once you start asking Hashem, what is your opinion? You have started officially tshuva. Why? Because you're going to stop sinning. You're going to stop sinning. You can't say, I have fear of Hashem, but I'm planning a barbecue on Shabbat right after Yom Kippur. You should know. There's a Mishnah. It says, It says someone that says, I'm going to sin and then do tshuva. I'm going to sin then do tshuva. They don't let him do tshuva. And on top of it, Yom Kippur doesn't help him. The Mishnah continues, Yom Kippur doesn't help him. He can say Chatanu, Avinu, Pashanu. He can cry. He can cry. He can fast for ten days, not for one day. For ten days he can fast. Ten days if he can fast. If he is not planning on fixing himself, if he already has a barbecue planned for next Shabbat, if he already is going to continue his behavior, Yom Kippur is not going to help him. In fact, he may actually get punished. For the chutzpah of lying to Hashem in his face. Like he's saying chatanu, like it happened in the past. He should say, I'm still sinning now. In the Beknesset. You treat me with casualness like nothing. So a person needs to understand. That's tshuva. Tshuva is start asking yourself, what does Hashem think about this? Hashem care about me driving on Shabbat or no? Does Hashem care about me eating at a place not kosher or no? Does Hashem care about me being with a woman I'm not allowed to be with or no? Does Hashem care about me being angry or no? What does Hashem think? If you don't know, look. If you don't know, ask. But ask somebody that has your Hashemite. Don't ask the other guy who also doesn't have your Hashemite. I have one guy who tells me, oh yeah, I'm listening, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I have a chavuta. It's great, great. The guy is religious from birth. I'm learning with him and great. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm like, what, what do you mean you don't know? Everything was great until now. You tell me everything is good. You're learning Torah. You did Shuvah. Everything is fantastic. He goes, yeah. I'm just not sure if I should stay doing this or I should just go back and you know start working. I said, why would you think about working if you're already learning Torah and everything is fine? He said, I don't know, because the guy I'm learning from who knows all this Torah, he says he's going to leave in a few months. He's going to go to work. The guy I'm learning from, he also he's, he wants to go to work. I said, so you, you can't learn from a guy like this. You gotta learn from a guy that wants to learn Torah, not work. You understand? You can't learn about Shlom Bait from somebody that got divorced three times. You know, it's silly, but you're allowed to make fun of some, some people that are just jokesters. Like, for example, people love Tony Robbins. Seems like a very nice guy. But I think it's wrong for Tony Robbins... To ever, to ever teach anyone about Shlombait. He got divorced three times. What? Or two times. He's on his third marriage now. He says he's like, has it all. Of has it all. Of course has it all. He has a lot of money. But as far as, as, far as Shlombait, he doesn't have Shlombait. You can't tell me you have Shlombait. You got married. This is the third marriage you have. That's crazy. You can't 
come out with CDs and DVDs about Shlom Bayit, buddy, start at home. This thing, you can't learn about the the Aval of the Torah, loving the Torah from somebody who doesn't want to learn. You can't do what Hashem wants you to do if you're learning from someone that goes against what Hashem wants you to do. You understand? So here, Hashem Barach is giving us countless secrets. He says everything has a God. Everything has its place. Everything. And don't ever disrespect anything because this, this stuff, the more you learn it, the more you're going to find out beautiful things. Now, I promised you Chidush and to show you how even the smallest, most minute things that people don't pay attention to have the secrets to save all of you, myself included. Here you have the first six letters of the Hebrew alphabet. First six letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hei, Vav. Okay? Here, you have a secret of what's going to save you at the end of days. Not just what's going to be good for you, not just to learn the first six letters of the alphabet. That's already good. You already know six letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Ashrecha. You should know that every one of the, of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the Sfata Kodesh, is a name of God. Hashem created the world with the Hebrew alphabet. Not with English, not with Spanish, not with the uh, Chinese, not with uh, the Mayan language. No, no, Hebrew, Hebrew language. In Gemara it says that he gave Betzalel. Betzalel, he gave special chokhmah. So Chazal asked, what, what's special chokhmah? What's special wisdom? He gave Betzalel the secret of how to create things from the holy language. Kivyachol, the same way that Hashem created the world, Betzalel was able to create things from the letters. The DNA of the world, Betzalel knew. Special wisdom. So here the first six letters, we're not even seeing the whole alphabet. First six letters have the secret. First six letters. In the Gemara, Masechet Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, says the first two letters, Aleph Bet. Aleph Bet is Rashid Tevot. Each one starts a new word. The first one is Aleph. Second one is Bina. Aleph Bina means study Torah. Aleph Bina. Aleph stands for study. Bina means Torah. Study the wisdom. Wisdom, where is wisdom? Wisdom is Torah. That's Aleph Bina. It's first two letters. That's what it stands for. Okay? Second two letters. Second two letters, Gemara in Shabbat 104a, says, Gmol Dalim. Help the needy. Gmol Dalim. Why, why, why these two letters? He says, if you notice, the Gimel is, is made in a way where there's the, the leg of Gimel, or the hand of Gimel is reaching out. And the Dalit, the way it's drawn, is that the line over here is slanted back. Why is it slanted back? To make it easy for the one that wants to give, to, di- to give. But it's still facing away. Why is it facing away? Because it's not modest to look at you. It's, you know, you want, it's, it's embarrassing for somebody that takes tzedakah. It's embarrassing for them. It's embarrassing for them to take tzedakah. No, there's no honor in taking tzedakah. 
So he looks away. Why? Because he's trying to teach the one that's giving the best way to give tzedakah is anonymous. It's anonymous, but you still have to make it easy for people to give it to you. So don't have a gate surrounding your house with, uh, with uh, electrocution <laughs> and still expect people to give you tzedakah. Make it easy for people to give you tzedakah. So on one end you have here the leg of Dalit. That means chesed. Uh, uh, reaching back, making it easy, but he's facing away. The face is this way. And the gimel, which means to give, is facing forward. To, that you're doing the chesed. The biggest part of chesed is to do something to get yourself off your butt. To do something about it. So all these people, Baruch Hashem, that took upon themselves to give out the posters, the mitzvah was not to send me an email and say, okay, I'm going to deliver the posters. What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is to get the posters. Once you get them, to take them out of the box as soon as possible and start giving it to people. Not just to take the box, put it in the Meknesset and you're finished. No. Go. Take. Five here, give five here. Ten here, ten here. Give it to people by hand. Give it to... Don't give, just put the whole stack, put a thousand dollar investment we're making and put it in a box. Think you did chesed. You didn't do nothing. It was better off if I didn't give it to you. You have to do something. So here you have Gmilut Chasadim. Here, second two letters of the alphabet. Next two letters of the alphabet represent another name of God. This is the name of God. This is one of the names of God. Shemit Barach. This is one of the names of God. Okay? So here, the Gemara says, here are three letters. You have different secrets. There's also secrets about the last letters of the alphabet. But what's the Chidush? What's the Chidush? So, in Gemara, in Masichet Sanhedrin, this is Shabbat. Shabbat 104a. But if you learn Masichet Sanhedrin, Masichet Sanhedrin, page 98b. 98b. They ask the same question you asked. They ask the same question you asked. If Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai was scared to death, scared to death, of what's going to happen to him. He has two gates. One's Ganeden, one's Genom. He doesn't know which one he's going to be in. He doesn't know for sure. He doesn't know. This kid doesn't know. Dollar dog, giant of giants. He doesn't know. He doesn't know how he has mind. To know, think you know, is Chutzpah. To be so sure you're going to Ganeden is Chutzpah. It means you have no Yerat Shemaim. So here in the Gemara, it says... The times of Mashiach are called Chavle Mashiach. Why Chavle Mashiach? It's called birth pangs. Because the Gemara says that unfortunately, the most likelihood scenario, as it says in Gemara Masechet Yoma, is that uh, the um, Roman Empire, meaning Esav, is going to rule the world, including Eretz Israel, for nine months. For nine months before the Mashiach comes. Apparently, the Gemara in Yomah says it's it's uh, Esav. Some say it's uh, Ishmael, but here in Yomah it says Esav. So we already know who Esav is. We're living among it. And anyone that watched the news recently sees that Esav is becoming a lot more vocal lately. What's happening in different parts of America? 
Nazis becoming much more vocal. The Nazis that have been here the whole time, all of a sudden, got a voice. They got a voice. They got hands. They got weapons. They got money. And they have one thing in common that the same that the Nazis had 70 years ago. That they've also had for 800 years. And they also had for 2,000 years. And they also had for 4,000 years since their original grandfather, Esav. Esav had a, had a grandson. Grandson, Amalek. Amalek is where the Nazis come from. Amalek is Edom. Esav is Edom. And they all have one thing in common. They hate Am Yisrael. Why they hate Am Yisrael? Because Am Yisrael stands for Torah. And Hashem Itbarach says, Et Esav Saneti. Esav, I hate him. Why I hate him? Because Esav knew the truth. He knew the truth, but he didn't want to do tshuva. Every day he says, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to go to Nets. And he didn't show up. Tomorrow I'm going to go to Shul Torah. And he didn't go. Tomorrow I'm going to leave my goy girlfriend. And he didn't go. Tomorrow I'm going to leave my goy boyfriend. And he didn't go. And he didn't stop. Tomorrow I'm going to do tshuva. Tomorrow I'm going to do tshuva. Tomorrow I'm going to do tshuva. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Lord and behold, he stays a goy the whole time. He goes against the Shem his whole life. But he knows the Torah. How do we know he knows Torah? His brother is Gdolado. Who, after his father, was the biggest Gdolado? It's Hakavinu. It's Hakavinu is his father. Of course you're going to know Torah. And he knew Torah because the Midrash, Midrash says that he would pretend to be righteous. How do you pretend to be righteous? You bring the, uh, uh, his father the salt. He says, Abba, do we have to put Maasel, give the tithe on the salt? We have to give tithe for the salt. Now we see the Esav of today, which is the Christians, even though some of them are decent people, there are many that are not. It's the same Esav. The religion of Christianity, Catholicism, is Esav. Why is it still Esav? Because they still keep only one mitzvah. The only mitzvah in the entire Torah that they keep is giving a tithe. Same thing like Esav pretended to keep 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago, he kept one mitzvah. He didn't want to keep Shabbat. He didn't want to keep kosher. He wanted to feed his father dogs. So today, 4,400 years later, they still keep one mitzvah. They don't keep Shabbat. They don't keep kosher. They don't keep talat mishpacha. Nothing. What do they keep? You have to give money. But they pretend to be righteous. It's Esav Saneti. I hate him. Why? He knows the truth. still goes against it. That same Esav becoming much more vocal. Hashem opened his throat, now he's becoming vocal. He says, we're not going to let the Jews spread the truth. We're not going to let the Jews do this. We're not going to let the Jews do that. Why? Because Hashem pressed the on button. Hashem says, time's out. It's time for me to bring Mashiach and for you to make a choice. Are you with me or against me? Are you with me or against me? Now they asked the Chachamim almost 2,000 years ago, do you want to be around during the times of Mashiach? Rabbah says, may he come, but may I not see him. May the Mashiach come, but I don't want to see him. They say, why you don't want to see him? Because I don't want to be around during the Chavle Mashiach, during the birth pangs, it's going to be difficult. Why? You're scared of flesh and blood? You're scared of bullets? You're scared of, of, of uh, spears? 
No, they're not scared of spears. They're not scared of bullets. They're not scared of swords. They're not scared of nothing. What are they scared of? They're scared of the tests. They said in the generation of Mashiach, Chutzpah Tizgei. Gemara Masechet Sota, page 49, says there's going to be a lot of Chutzpah. It's going to be people going against the, against the Torah. How? The generation's face is going to be like the generation of dogs. So one of the recent Pirushim that I got on it from Rabbi Nisim Yagen, Zechet Sadiq, Kadosh Libracha, he says there's many Pirushim for the face of a dog is the face of a generation. People are going to be rude. We know it. He says, no, no, there's another Pirush. What's the Pirush? He says it's going to be Erev Rav, Erev Rav is sometimes going to have a beard. Sometimes going to have a hat. And it's going to fulfill the prophecy of, of face of a generation is face of a dog. How? He says, when you see a dog, he's going with his master, sometimes there's no leash. So the dog walks in front of him. Even if there is a leash, he walks in front of the master. And sometimes the master lets him dog with no leash, lets him run. Lets him run. So people say, hey, not good that you're letting him run. He's going to run away. No, no, no. He doesn't run away. Every so often he looks back to see where his master is. Because sometimes in the, in, it happens, and what's going to happen at the end of the generation is that the rabbi, the rabbanim are going to be rabbanim. They're going to be bad rabbis. Why? They're going to be like the dog. They're going to run in front of the master and they're going to look at him. Is this okay? Can I say this in the lecture? He says, okay, I'm going to give a lie. I'm going to give Shiu Torah in the Beknesset. Can, can I say this? Can I say Mechalel Shabbat Mot Yumat? Oh, no, no, I can't. Okay, I'm saying that. Can I say, can I say that you're not allowed to be with a Goya? Oh, no, I can't say it. Okay, I can't. Why? Every so often the rabbi, the leader, he's leading. He's not leading. He's the dog. He looks back and he asks the owner, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? He's a dog. He's not a rabbi. He's a rabbi. That's why there's so much confusion. There's so much confusion. People don't know what Yirat Shamayim is. You know what Yirat Shamayim? Yirat Shamayim Iyotzaro. Yirat Hashem Iyotzaro. That's what Hashem has this world for. People don't know what Yirat Shamayim is. You have over a million Jews in Israel don't know Kirat Shema. They don't know Shema Israel. They don't know you're supposed to be afraid of God. This is foundation of Judaism. Bushe Becherpa. We have, we, have, we have 40 days to do tshuva. We have 40 days to get a chance for everything we have. For our, our lives are on the line. And Hashem is making it obvious. Because we think, you oh, know, it's spiritually on the line. It's th- no, 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 my friend. Flesh is on the line. The Nazis are here. Where? Next door. They may be your neighbor. They may be the community over. The next town over. It's everywhere. Don't think you're safe anywhere. Not in Israel, not in America, not in Europe, not anywhere. Why? Chavle Mashiach, my friends. And it's in the, the, the way to be saved is right here in these letters. It's right here in these letters. Hashem already, when He created the world, He created a solution. He created a solution. So the next, the next rabbi says, Abaya asks rabbi, why do you want to be alive at the time of, of Mashiach? The other rabbis don't want to be. The other rabbis don't want to be here when Mashiach comes. But you want to be. Why do you want to be here? He says because we learn from Rabbi Lazar, the rabbi of Rabbi Akiva. The Baal Tshuva. The Baal Tshuva, Rabbi Akiva. His rabbi, Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Eliezer, I'm sorry. Rabbi Eliezer ben Holkinos. Rabbi Eliezer ben Holkinos, 
We learn from him. What we learn from him? We learn chidush from him. His students asked him one time, Kvodarav, what will save us from Gogu Magog? What will save us from Chavle Mashiach? What will save us from the pain, the birth pangs? The birth pangs, the nightmare. What's going to save us? He says, make sure. Make sure you look at these first two letters, second two letters, and last two letters. Why? Because the first two letters represent Torah. Asok Torah. Make Torah your business. Not just learn Torah passively, come to Yeshua Torah once in a blue moon. Make Torah your business. Your business, when it means your business, means your life. People make your life, people make their business their life. Make Torah your life. Make Torah your instructions to life. Second, Milut Chasagim. Go help people do tshuva. Go help people come back to where? The last two letters. The last two letters, come back to Hashem. Come back to Hashem. Hashem, when He created the world, He created tshuva. He created an opportunity for you Come back to him. Create an opportunity for you to say, I'm sorry. Now, why does he have slichot? Why does he have Rosh Hashanah? Why does he just let you live? Do whatever you want. One day, you go up to the Shemaim and he judges you accordingly. Shem Baruch says, no, no, no. I built, originally I created this world with Deen. But then I realized you're not going to survive a week. You're not going to survive a week if it was only punishment. So I did it with chesed too. And the biggest chesed was what I did when I created to you Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Why? Because if you came up to Shamaim without it, I tell you, listen, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. I show you a movie of your whole life. And you can't tell me, no, I didn't. There's no line in Shamaim. What are you going to say? You're going to say, yeah, you're right. You're right, I did all those things. But, uh, I can't pay you. I don't have the money. I don't have the money to pay you. I don't have the mitzvah to pay you. I don't have the mitzvah to pay you. I don't have nothing. You should have come earlier. You should have come this. I said, ah, that's why I created Rosh Hashanah. It gives you an opportunity every year to pay the bill. Every year you do tshuva. Every year you come and you say, I'm sorry. You do it again. You fix it. You fix it. You fix it. You got Shemaim level one this year. Next year level two. Next year, next year, level three. Next year, level four. Every year, you keep going. Every year, more mitzvot. Every year, more din. Every year, more people ba'alei tshuva. Every, every year, you do something good. Every year, you get closer to me. Why? Because if you don't, if you don't, I put a story in the Gemara specifically for you. From the Roman Empire, Andreanus Vespasian said to Rabban Yochanan ben Sagai, if you knew I was the king, where were you until now? You said Hashem Barach every year, every day. You said Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. They even make songs about Hashem. Hashem, we love you. Hashem, we love you. Hashem, we love you. Where were you until now? Why did you wait 70 years until I took you from, from this world to Shaman to say, I'm sorry. Where were you every year, Rosh Hashanah? Where were you? Where were you until now? If I was the king, if you said, Baruch Atah Hashem, Melech HaOlam, you said, blessed you Hashem, king of the world. If I'm the king of the world, why don't you make me the king of you? From the king of the world, what about you? 
What about you specifically? Forget the world. You, if I'm the king of the world, king of the world, what about you? Are you part of the world? Because if everyone says, king of the world but not me, then I'm king of nothing. What about you? So a person needs to understand. Here, he gave you an out. Gave you an opportunity. Learning Torah by itself, not enough. Not enough. You have to fulfill the Torah. And Rabbi Eliezer ben Holkonos is telling you, is a secret. The Roman Empire, the Nazi Empire, the whatever empire will rise right before Mashiach comes, it's going to be balagan. It's going to be craziness, weapons, mass destruction, nightmare. You have one solution. One. You want to be saved? You have one option. You remember that Torah we learned for the last couple of hours? You make it your business. That's part one. You remember that story that I told you in the beginning of the shiur? That $95 to go help somebody do, do, do tshuva? You make that your business. You don't have money? Spend time. If you're already on the internet, spread shiurim Torah. If you have money, make sure that money is used for that. Because your house, getting an extended kitchen, getting an extended house, getting a bigger car, getting a fancier car, getting another fishing rod, getting another game, getting another vacation, all that stuff is not going to help you when Mashiach shows up any minute. It's not going to help you. You can't bring your, your fishing rod to Gogu Magog. The bigger house you have, the more likely it is to be bombed by the planes because they see it from Shemayim. Having an extended house is not going to help you when Mashiach comes and he's destroying all the goyim that are trying to kill you. You have to go look for righteous people that are looking for the truth and start bringing them back to Hashem. Bring people back to Hashem. Make that your business. And Hashem already told you, you don't need to know the entire Hebrew language. You don't need to learn Gemara from the Aramaic and the Hebrew and this. You just need to know the basics of the first six letters. Six. That's it. First two letters, learn Torah. Second two letters, Gmilut Chasadim. Next two letters, fifth and sixth, God. The end. You do that, you have nothing to worry about. It doesn't matter whether you live inside Rome or you live on top of the Kotel Maravi. You do those two things, you'll be fine. That story that I told you, Baruch Hashem, there's many, many like it. Sometimes people donated $95, sometimes they donated 1000 sometimes they donated $1, literally. Some people didn't have money, they donated $1. That $1, we used it for one CD. If they, it saved somebody or not, I don't know. I don't track the $1. All I know is that it could have. If you're willing to buy a lotto ticket for $600 million or $2 for, for life in this world, you can buy Olam Abba. You can buy Olam Abba with the same thing. You understand? So, Be'ezat Hashem, I think we were able to answer all of your questions. With Siyat Nishmaya, through this Mishnah, and the letters, and Chidushim, anything else? Yeah. Oh, weird. Uh, 
just talked about Menashe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I read some of the stuff people were doing then. Say that women were doing terrible stuff. Men, terrible stuff they do in the Menashe. Okay. And what a guy to his rabbi once. So like, I'm saying, okay. compared to what they knew in us, we're not, we're not so far worse than they were. They were also very evil if you look what they were doing. Compared mm-hmm. to what they knew. There's a, somebody came, somebody yeah, came. they would see Shechina. Somebody came to Rav Avadia one time. He said, for the Rav, we hear that one of your relatives, distant relatives, you listen, you listen to this. Forget the drink. Listen to this. We listen, we, we, we heard, we heard that one of your distant relatives is wearing a wig. And you speak highly against wigs, for the Rav. So, Rav Vadya was Ishemet from beginning to end. Never left his Torah. Never left the Emet. He said, yes. And there's a place in Gehenom for her too. <laughs> so the sins of anyone else, whether it's this generation, the next generation, or previous generation, is not going to help you. What's going to help you? Torah, Kamilut Chasadim. That's what's going to help you. You don't need to worry about what anybody else is doing. In a place where there's no one that's going to stand up for the truth, you stand up for the truth. You be the Ishemet. Not somebody, don't wait, oh no, no, once everybody else does tshuva, then I'll do it. Once my rabbi starts telling me the truth, then I'll listen. Once this, this, this. no, 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 my friend. In Torah, five books of Moses, it says, in the end of days, Hashem Bach tells us, I'm going to punish them, I'm going to send them to the four corners of the world. But, but there's a solution. What's the big but? If you look for me, you'll find me. If you look for me with all of your heart and all of your soul. So to say no, because this rabbi is bad, or this guy is bad, and she is bad, and this is bad, that's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. It's their pro- you don't say that about business. Hey, listen, because the vast majority of the world doesn't make money, so I'm just not going to work. You don't do that with business. Why? What do you do? If you make over $300,000, you don't make, you make $300,000 a year, you make more than 99.5% of the entire world. 99.5% of the entire population, 7.5 billion people, do not make $300,000. They make less than $300,000. That means you are in the top... Half of a percent of the planet. Now, so you're a minority. You're a minority. Is there anyone here? Is there anyone here that if I told you I have an opportunity for you to make $300,000 this year? Is there anyone here that would say, nah, nah, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be part of a minority. I don't want to be a minority. I want to be, I want to be with popular. I want to be like everybody else. I want to be proud. I want to be like everybody. I don't want to be. I don't want to make $300,000 or more. I don't want to make a million dollars. No, come on. Kvodala, you're killing me. No, no, no. Chas shalom. I don't want to be part of the minority. I don't want a minority. Look what happened to the minorities in the past. I don't want to be. Anybody here that say, no, no, no. I don't want a million dollars. You want, you want 300000 every second. Why? It doesn't matter. You don't matter. It doesn't matter that everybody else is not doing it. It doesn't matter that everybody else is not working to do it. No. It doesn't matter. Same thing with Hashem Barach. Even more so with Hashem Barach. The fact that a lot of people are not doing it, the fact that a lot of people are going against it, the fact that there's reform, there's conservative, there's messianic, there's Christianity, there's Catholicism, there's Islam, there's all of these other things. 
that are going against the Torah, number one, it's nothing new. Number two, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. At the end, even Rabban Yochanan bin Zakai was scared, even though he was a tzaddik. At the very least, we should try to be tzaddik. Try. How? Hashem says, I have a secret. It's in the letters. Very secret. You don't need to know the whole Aleph bit. You convert, you just started, you're about Shuvah, you spoke English your whole life, Spanish your whole life. You don't know the whole Aleph bit. You don't need to know the whole Aleph bit. You just need those six letters. Six letters, baby. Six letters, Hamud. Six letters, that's it. Six letters. Six. Not the whole thing. Six letters. You don't need to know Aramaic. You don't need to know Spanish. You don't need to know. Six letters, Hamudi. Cutie, six letters. My little baby girl, she knows six letters. She's two years old. You need to know six letters. What? Torah. Learn it. Fulfill it. Make sure you follow it. Make it your day-to-day business. You have money, use it for good. Not good to build another floor in your house. Not good to build another car so you could show off to the public. Not good so you could spend your money on vacations and be in places that are not modest. Good for the good of the world of Hashem. Last but not least, bring them to God. Bring them to God. Why? What kind of brother are you if you're not bringing people to God? What kind of person are you if you're not bringing people to God? You're not following this Mishnah. Ben Azai said, be nice to people. Don't be mean to them. Be nice to them. How can you classify yourself as nice if you know the truth, but you're not willing to tell anybody else about it? You keep it to yourself. You know the truth. The bomb is going to explode. Any minute. But you're, you fly away. You go on vacation. All your friends, family, buddies, classmates, brothers, neighbors, everybody else, you leave them there with the bomb. What, what kind of nice person are you? You're Hitler. You're not nice. Hitler you are. How can you know the truth and not tell people? Rabbi Yonatan Aibishit says the biggest sinat chinam, the biggest sinat chinam that we still have in his generation just a few hundred years ago, the biggest sinat chinam, baseless hatred that we have, is when one Jew sees another sinning and doesn't say anything. That's the biggest sinat. Why? It's like you see somebody, a train is coming, it's about to hit him, it's about to kill him, but you don't even bother telling him to move. Move, Hamudi, move out of the way. Booby, move out of the way. Push the guy. Do something. Don't just look at it, though. Put on his phone and You put it on YouTube. Like I saw some, some guy, Shem uh, El somebody committed suicide in New York, and they took a video of it. And they put, they put it online. They put it online. They put it online. The guy jumped off a building, I don't know, a 50-story building. They put it online to see the Hashem I, I wish I didn't see this. I wish I, wish I didn't see this. So, you understand? Guys, please. Girls, please. Make Hashem your business. Hashem says you don't need to be big chacham. You don't need to be Moshe Rabbeinu. Basics. 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 Just learn Torah every day. Do what it says. Do Kiruv to Hashem. That's it. You have nothing to worry about. No? Next question, or we finish? I answered all the questions? Okay? Hashem answered. It's not just, I, I'm just a vessel. At the beginning, you said, like, if you, let's say, keep Shabbat and 
Can I said so? What's the foundation of tshuva? Foundation of tshuva, as I said, it's simple. It's one thing: yirat shemaim. Yirat shemaim. Once you have yirat shemaim, you're gonna have everything else. Everything else will follow. Without yirat shemaim, it's not a preservative. So everything you have will eventually go bad anyway. Because even if you learn Torah, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat says, why is it if somebody knows the entire Torah by heart, it's still judged against him if he doesn't have Yirat Shemaim? Because if he doesn't have Yirat Shemaim, he's not going to fulfill what it says. He's not going to remember what it says. He's not going to do what it says. It's not worth anything. The wheat is going to go bad. It's going to crumble to nothing. Without Yirat Shemaim, without the preservative, you have nothing. Zero. That's the foundation. No Yirat Shamayim, no nothing. That's why you see somebody with the kippah, with talit, with everything inside the car on Shabbat. <laughs> with kippah, with talit. Talit is already on him. I have a, there's a guy I know, I don't know him personally, but he goes to this biknes that I mentioned to you before, to tefillat nits, to nits, every day, 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, every day. On Shabbat, he even goes to nits, with the car. With the car. So every day, just tefillin, he does talit, he does tefillah, he th- he's in part of a minyan, he thinks he's doing good. Jabs on Shabbat. You understand? Why? No, you're You're not scared of God. You're just praying because you're 70 years old, you have nothing else to do. You're bored out of your life. What else are you going to do? I go see my friends at 6 o'clock in the morning. You have nothing to do. What are you going to do? You go see your friends at 6 o'clock in the morning. You're not going because of God. You have no connection to Him. Because if you did, you'd look at what he says. And he says, Mechalel Shabbat mot yumat nefesh Death upon death, and the soul is cut off from the nation. doesn't say nice things about Mechalel Shabbat. So, Yirat Shamayim, that's Tshuva. You work on Tshuva, you work on Yirat Shamayim, learn Musar, when you're learning you write notes. You go over it. Every one of these lectures, I'm telling you, if I was if I was one of the attendees, I would re, I would watch each one of the lectures several times. Why? Because there's so many sources, there's so many places, there's so many things. Listen, Baruch Hashem, each one of each one of these each one of these lectures, countless amount of information. That if you go over it, think about it, digest it, look into it, look into the pages that I mentioned, read more about it. The lecture could be something like, uh, you know, you can learn it for, for months, one lecture. And the saddest thing for me, the saddest thing for me after every lecture is that I review all the notes that I took. I review all the notes that I took. You see over here, everything is highlighted. This was yesterday's lecture. Everything is highlighted. You see everything highlighted? All the things that are highlighted are the things that I had to say, but I didn't say. So I spoke for three hours. Spoke for three hours. I have all these notes that I, 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 different parts of the Torah and stuff that we, I wanted to include. Spoke for three hours. And at the end of the lecture, I look at everything I highlight. Everything I highlight means I didn't say it. So this is just to give you an idea of how much Torah we have. It's endless. Hashem gave you a present. An endless, beautiful present. It never ends. Look at the Shura Torah. Watch them. Connect to them. Because Shura Torah... That's what keeps you warm. That's what keeps you on fire. To, to answer the last question, I forgot to answer in regards to Shuret Torah, and then we'll finish with that because I'm sure everybody wants to sleep a little bit. But the key is, Shuret Torah, that's the biggest thing. Why is it the biggest thing? Because Shuret Torah keeps you on fire. Especially if it's a good quality Shuret Torah, it keeps you on fire. Now, if somebody goes to Shuret Torah, he does Shuvah, and then he stops going to Shuret Torah, you'll see what ends up happening is little by little he cools off. 
the fire cools off. He was hot, he was doing tshuva, started putting salit, started putting tzitzit, started putting kippah, tefillin, minyan, shabbat, ta 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 A year later, he said, okay, I already did tshuva, I don't need to go to Shio Torah anymore. I'm going to watch it on Torah anytime. I'm going to watch it on BeZotHashem.org. I'm going to watch it on YouTube. I'm going to watch it later on. What happened? Little by little, you see the guy, maybe he's not becoming chiloni again, he's not becoming secular all the time, but he gets cooled off. Why? Because Shul Torah, when you connect to the Shul Torah, you connect to the rabbi, that's what keeps you on fire. That's what keeps you on fire. Because even if you're putting it, even if the Shul Torah is decent warmth, gives you Yat Shamayim, then you're keeping everything at the same temperature. But as soon as you stop going to Shul Torah, that's like getting the hot water all the way to like right before boiling and then taking it off. And then poking it back on and then taking it off. And on and off. So I'll never get the boiling. I'll never get the true heat. That's where you have to stay. That's why it's not just, it's not about me. It's this short is for me. It's good for me. It's good for all of you. Simply because that's what keeps you hot. And I've seen it time and time again. Guys come in here. They do tshuva. They see miracles. Great things happen. Big things happen. Unfortunately, many people drop off because something happens. Yetzirah comes in. The Yetzirah grows with them. Just like the Yetzirah Tov grows, the Yetzirah grows. Yetzirah convinces them to not come once. Next thing you know, it's twice. Next thing you know, it's five times. Next thing you know, they haven't come for five months. And I see them in the street. Sometimes there's no more kippah. Sometimes there's no more tzitzit. Sometimes the, the wife forgot to put clothes on. Sometimes the kids, you know, it's, it because, why? Because that fire that got them in, stop. has nothing to do with me. It's all the Torah. Unfortunately, it's sad to say I'm only one of a hint, two, three, four people, max five people in the English language that's actually saying this stuff. This is not something I'm proud of. I'm proud to have a merit to, to, to be part of it. I'm not proud of the fact there's only a handful of people that actually saying Shulet Torah the way it's supposed to be done. People like to say the part of the Gemara where everybody started, the, 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 the sages started the um, Shulet Torah with a joke. Everyone knows the story. No, no, you should be more laughing. This is, a, this is one of the lessons that you should be laughing in Shulet Torah. He says, no, absolutely not. They start the Shulet Torah with a joke, but it actually says in the Gemara in Shabbat, but the rest of the Shulet Torah is 100% scary. Why? The joke is to open up their minds. The scary is to get them to do tshuva. The scary is to get them to do tshuva. Why? Because to say a joke and make the whole shul as a joke, Rabbi Eliezer bin Holkinos, the same one that just told us the secrets about Mashiach, he also said the guy that makes jokes in the middle of shul, miskin. Why miskin? His beginning is suffering and his end is destruction. Not to make just jokes for no reason. Understand? So here, we're, le- we're here in a generation that has a chance to see Mashiach. has a chance to do tshuva real, in a real way. You have an opportunity. It's, 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 it's amazing to even have a chance. It's amazing to even be given the opportunity. Don't waste it. Yesterday I said three jokes. That was already overloaded. It's already over. Today no jokes. No, today was full, full, full business today. Today, yeah, one every four months. So I split it over three months.
That's it. Next time I see you guys with jokes, it's three, four months. Hey, you didn't even laugh yesterday with I jokes. I did. I'm the only one who laughed. Yeah, one guy laughed. It's not worth the investment. It's not worth the investment. Three crazy. Jokes. I thought it was actually real. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. It's because we knew that it was going to be scary afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually sent me today. One somebody sent me today. He goes, no, listen, you, you have to keep saying the jokes. No, if, no, I, ha- if, I, if I remember it, I say it. But, uh, the problem is that we're prepared to get an atomic bomb, not a joke. Can, exactly. It's a, you know, a joke, joke is unusual for me. Unusual for me. The second, first one shocked you. First one shocked you that there's even a joke. There's, there's jokes coming out of this place. Amen.